Welcome to Dawn of Mantis, a variety podcast. You can find us online at www.dawnofmantis.com. Also on Twitter, at Dawn of Mantis. And Joe, also, we are in the TikTok world. I have right. one TikTok video that sucks, but <laughs> uh, we're going to post some TikTok, TikToks. Tick- I, I can't even say it. TikToks. So new to, tick, TikToks, yeah. Right. Uh, it's so new to me, I can't even say it, but uh, uh, TikTok of Mantis is I like what I it. put it as. All right. Blimey, that sounds good. Uh, okay. Right. So, uh, anyway, yeah. so, uh, we're there. We're going to every once in a while drop a video out, um, from time to time. So yeah, just check us out on there and also send us a tweet every once in a while. We get lonely. Right. Tweet us anytime you'd like. Yeah. Joe. Yes. Let's... I'm ready to get started. I'm quite excited about tonight. What about you, Ivan? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. I, me, t- me too. Um, what's going on, man? Uh, not much. How are you? Do, are we, do we, we're supposed to do a bit. Are we doing a bit? No, I don't. You're doing a British bit? No, we're doing. You know, I don't have a British. I got an Australian, but not a British. We're doing the podcast, all right? Yeah, but yeah, but but what's the what's what what are you doing? What's Um, the voice? um, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, right. Oh, well, you know, um, I've I've sort of taken on the British accent, if you can't tell. And, uh, you know, you know, I was thinking, you know, some people like convert to Judaism and whatnot and everything like that. I thought that maybe I would I would become, uh, you know, the British accent suits me so well. So you're converting to British? Well, sort of. I, you I know, never heard of that. It's, it's a big thing these days for people to identify as different no. as different things. I'm identifying as British from now not on. Not as a different, not to live in a different country, or not to be a citizen of a different country you don't live in. Like, uh, I don't, that what you're, what you're saying right now is sort of national. It's like, it's not sexist, but it's sort of like. There's not a word for it because there's not a word for what you're doing. It's regionalist. Regionalist. Yes, you're. Yeah, yes. yeah. You're, you're trying should I to Google suppress. That? Should I Google regionalist? No, not right now. Yeah, you're you're sort of suppressing my no, 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 freedom no, no. to be uh, whatever nationality I want to be. What's the end game with this? Why are you doing this? Uh, I just uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, you can't. You no. I thought it'd shake things it, up a bit. Listen, Madonna. Like, you uh, easy now. Come on, mate. You can't just like start using an accent like from another country and just oh, I'll, I'm British now. You can't do that. I just did. That's kind of, I don't know if that's, I don't want to sound like Ben Affleck and mislabel it, but is is it racist? No, it's not racist. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Is there anything wrong with it? It's linguisticist. (laughs) And I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. If I want to identify as a British person, I don't know why I couldn't do that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I I don't know. Maybe I'm not woke enough, but but you, you, you can't do that. I mean, listen, you... Why would you even want to do that? Because, like, right now the Brexit stuff, the British stuff. I mean, what what are you looking up? And they still got the the whole the whole king and queen stuff that doesn't mean anything. Just a bunch of rich people that don't work. I mean, a better there's better countries in the world. Scottish for being Scottish is cooler. I like the voice better anyway. Like it's so it's so silly. What are you doing? Oh, I you make a great point, Ivan. We'll be back after these messages with the disappearance of Joe Pickler. Quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis.
didn't he do the specials where all the audience was all around him? That's, he did Vicious Circle was that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I liked him. I, I feel like I liked him. I thought his comedy was great, but but the thing about him is, and it's probably because I'm a d bag that, <laughs> that bugged me about the whole thing is is I hate when somebody almost get when when somebody almost gets like a rock star status and just like too many people are talking about them and they like propel them above other comedians and stuff that I think are as good or better. And this guy's like number one star. Like everyone's like, Oh, that's like the best comedian. Yeah. It's like, what other comedians? Oh, I don't know. Just Dan cook. You know, it's like, yeah. And I think he got a lot of crap thrown his way because he got, he captured a lot of that, like, 18 to 24 college. Yeah. Like he, a lot of his audience people jump around so much. Well, yeah. A lot of his audience was, was kids or people that really weren't into comedy per se. Yeah. Like you could ask them, who's your favorite comedian? Well, I really only know Dan Cook. They wouldn't be like, well, I like, and they would name off seven others. Uh, You know, I think that was, I don't know. I don't know why he got so much hate. I liked him. I think he got weird later on and, uh, just kind of disconnected with me. I didn't like his style. Pretty much after Vicious Circle, I didn't like. Yeah, I didn't identify with with his style anymore. But uh, I I don't really understand why he got quite so much. Hate. Well, but but see, uh, and where I was going with that is a like later on, I realized is like why did I have so such a big problem with him just because he got really famous? I mean, I need to be, be better about that. Uh, I hate being that way, and I have that. That's like that's like one of those things that you have about yourself you're not, that you're not proud of, like. You like a band and then like everyone starts liking the band and then you're like pissed because it's like, you know, you're, you're almost like a pack rat in a hole that somebody comes out and grabs your spool of yeah. thread. You're like, that's my spool of thread. And it's off putting when someone gets that to that level of fame, because then all of a sudden it's almost like they're just McDonald's. You just picture a factory just yeah. just stamping out their CDs by the millions and it's just too much. You yeah, know, they're I, just I get too that. commercialized. I get that. But then, but then I think, you know, I, I think you and I do this, the same thing. That's why we can talk about this. Like, but then again, at an, at another angle, I think, well, if you're sitting there and you have your headphones on and it's just the band and you're listening to them, like it should, none of that should really matter either. You know, Yeah. you know, you shouldn't feel that way. I, I, I do that. I don't want to, I don't want to become a music snob and only like, only, only listen to people that have. 4,000 plays and less in Spotify. You yeah. know who doesn't do this? Who? who? To their credit. It seems like the, the black community, like with comedians, uh-huh. it is the total opposite. Like Kevin Hart did his last special holding like a golden microphone with oh. gold chains around him. Yeah. And half his bit was talking about like being in his mansion. Sure. And it's like the bigger to them, it doesn't seem like the it doesn't seem like that community disassociates with oh yeah. well, oh Kevin's big crap now. Yeah. Oh. No, it seems like they are like that much more into it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, that is cool. That's I- actually better than than wanting to I guess hold it against someone their own success. They don't seem to do that. I don't I know wonder why. if it's just cuz you know, I wonder if it's because it's not watered down for them. I mean, there's just not a ton, and I, there probably should be because if you think about well, a lot of the legends of comedy, I mean, go back to Pryor. Oh, yes, of course. Um, go to Pryor, Murphy. I mean, Murphy could come back and do a special, sell, sell out everything he'd ever played. Oh, for but, sure. But he just decides not to. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, all, all those people, it's like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's probably just, you know, they're probably just more thankful because there's, I mean, think about how many white comedians there are. I mean, oh, it's it's too and, many. Uh, there's a there's there's a ton of you know. Obviously, I mean, this is so obvious, but there's a so many good ones. Um, yeah, 
So I don't know. The market's flooded with comedians right now. Yeah, it Dear is. God. You know yeah. what? By the way, this is a this is an aside. Welcome to the Dawn of Madness podcast, everybody. I want to include this on this. I don't know when we're going to start the episode, but uh, have you noticed <clears throat> there is a mass exodus flowing out of California and namely Los Angeles and Hollywood right now? Where they? Go, oh yeah, yeah. And it's not just Joe Rogan, man. It is a laundry list of people of well, comedians, I mean, you, you musicians, go, actors, executives, all kinds of going people going flooding out of that city. Well, so I wonder if it's just because. I mean, you could work from anywhere now in this day and age. And I wonder if COVID has taught us something like um, there have been in my personal life. I can't really say them because for one thing, it's not that it's too personal. It's just it's not interesting. But just like little things that you find like, well, because of all this stuff, I found this. I can do this and this is fine. Right. Or I can do this this way and this is fine. I think everyone's uh, that that have been seriously affected by all this, uh, just the staying home and all everything. Like, it, I wonder if that's something they've discovered. Like, well, I can do what I do from anywhere, really. It's part of it. I read an article today. I don't know if it was from the Times or where it was from. But it was saying for California, COVID was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I yeah. think I think that for the last few years, look, we've had the wildfires. We've had, uh, I guess they've amassed a pretty huge amount of debt over the past four or five years. Yeah. Um, they have the tent cities all around Los Angeles that are kind of overtaking everything. The homeless population has exploded. Yeah. They're talking about if you just want to walk across the street to a cafe for coffee, you got to step around heroin needles. And then I guess the COVID thing was the straw that broke the camel's back. And yeah, I always pick up my heroin needles. <laughs> I don't, yeah. know. don't just discard them. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to do a PSA, but I mean, come on, guys. I mean, we can safely abuse this drug. Here's my thing. Good. I'm glad that every that that this exodus is Los Angeles, Hollywood. How long has the entertainment industry been out as far as movies? A hundred years. Yeah. Hollywood's had that market cornered. Sure. They had, to me, I'm like, they had their shot. Yeah. Uh, good for them. They had a good run, man. 100 years yeah. is damn good. Uh, let's let's spread it out. I'm so sick. Of, why would you have to be there? You don't. Why would it's you, ridiculous. Yeah, it's, wouldn't have to they be. had us brainwashed for so long. All these people. And what's funny is to me, and I, I have a long thought process I need to work out here. No, that's fine. For so long, out. everyone has told us that the United States was the East Coast and the West Coast, and then all this kind of fuzzy bullshit in the middle flyover <laughs> states. No one cares. But mainly, if you want to do anything or be anybody or or be of any substance at all, you got to go to the East Coast or the West sure. Coast, right? Every talk show is either in L.A. or New York. Yes. That's it. I think that has crumbled, and I, I think that's a bullshit narrative, and it yeah. always was. There's no flyover states. Uh, and what's funny is half a million people just last year fled, uh, even before COVID, yeah. half a million people just from California fled to Texas. Oh, yeah. And I say fled like there's a crazy thing going on there, but they left California. Well, they left. Yeah. 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 Um, Rogan and a lot of his comedian buddies are going down to Austin. I say let Austin have a chance. Let Austin yeah. be the mecca for a little while. Let's spread it around. Let's take some road trips to Austin. Watch some comedians. Yeah, it's only like, what, six hours Are they going to have like a comedy store down there? Do yes. they have one? Uh, there's a really up-and-coming comedy scene in Austin. I think Rogan is going to open his own comedy club once he gets down oh, there. Oh, that's awesome. Seriously. And uh, there's just, you know, Joey Diaz has left L.A. Duncan Trussell's leaving. What is it? What is it? Let's, let's do it. What do you think? What would you guess the maps on from here to there? For how far it is from here to yeah. here, to Austin? Yeah. I looked it up. I think it's like six and a half hours or something. I was thinking it's probably, I was going to go eight, 
It may be more. Well, because Dallas it's is like pretty far. It's, Dallas is about four hours from here. Yeah. So um, I don't know what directions. Austin would be. But I mean, like I'm saying, good L.A. You had you had a good run. There's a lot of other area and good people and cool places in the U.S. other than freaking at Los Angeles. You know what I mean? So let's spread it around, man. Sure. Eight so, hours, four minutes. Eight hours. You were right. Okay, cool. I mean, that's five hundred miles. You can stay. I mean, stay somewhere on the way down there, like you know, halfway, and then yeah, that's not bad. But break, one thing I one thing I do want to know is five hundred and six miles. Because you and I, we've seen several comedians. Sure. Uh, most of them are L.A. comedians, mm-hmm. and we've seen them. They they come through this area. What's funny is I wonder if these L.A. comedians, because every time you ever have seen a comedian from out there, what do they do? Part of their act is shitting on wherever they are. Oh, yeah. That's, so yeah, much of their act is shitting true. on the flyover states, and now all these people are fleeing to right where you just made fun of a year ago. So you I'm think like, it's like low-hanging fruit for them, right? It's like it's it's kind of easy to make fun of the place you're in because, I don't know. I mean, because all you have to do is type, like, stereotype, turn the volume up to 11 on the stereotype meter, and then just, you know, everything yeah. you've ever heard is amplify and then throw it out in your act. I just wonder if some of these comedians, as their plane is, is landing in Texas, where they're moving to, are thinking, oh, I was here two years ago when I was shitting all over Texas. Oh, hey, y'all, Texas. Oh, yeah. Are you sure you can put together yeah. my words to make out my jokes? You know, but you know and why now I, I'm living here. You know why I think it works, though? And and I haven't always thought this. I just I just thought of this just now. Like, I think it works because I'll I'll always say this, that comedy takes intelligence like to be a successful comedian think about successful shows i mean it's it's smart writing it's funny and smart and, and for it to be funny it's got to be smart like arrested development yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. real clever shit like yeah. that yeah so i think comedians that the top of their game i think they're just really intelligent people uh and they have like a comedic intelligence right so i think the people that are get taking their kids to the babysitter come into a comedy show in whatever area they are. I think they're the smartest people in that area. And I think they're, and I think they get sick of the, the stupid asses in their area. So when they sit down on a comedy show and some guy comes out talking about like the extreme, you know, person in their area, you know, talking like, you know, like just the idiots talking like the idiots they deal with all the time. I mean, that's a good release for you probably. Right. You know, and I, and I've noticed it before too. It's like, yeah, there are people like that around here Yeah, and it's hilarious. It gets annoying, but at this moment, it's pretty hilarious the way this comics (laughs) dishing it out. So I think that's probably why it works, you know, but I get what you're saying. I mean, it does get a little old, um, you know, just to watch, they do it on TV a lot too. I mean, just wherever they're at. I do got to give it up to remember when we went and watched Theo Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the only ones that, of course, we watched him in Oklahoma, but it was literally the casino where we watched him is on the state line. Yeah. And there's nothing to do in that area of Oklahoma. Sure. So he was talking about he landed in uh, uh, whatever airport the day before, so he spent most of his time in northwest Arkansas. Yeah. And he was ta- So I got to give it to Theo. He was like, man, you know, my driver drove me around like Bentonville and all these places in northwest. Like, man, it's actually beautiful, the Ozark Mountains. And I was really surprised. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. He didn't uh, just <laughs> – because it's, sometimes it's a little too well, easy. But, but his act is like the extreme redneck, extreme country – you know, hamster yeah. bones and all that stuff, it's like, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. I've listened to that bit a few times, and it's funny to hear the different things that people. It's like, 
three hundred pounds. Of, what? How does it go again? It's yeah, like, three hundred pounds of hamster. hamster it's like bones. how many hamsters do you think are in there? And some guy would be like seven. Yeah, it's like seven. Yeah, dude. And then one time I heard a guy say, <laughs> say he said like a thousand. He's like, oh, that's pretty close, you know. And he, yeah. you know, so. Uh, but it's funny, like the it, the seven was the lowest number I ever Dude, heard. I've never heard. I thought your wife, yes, was going to pass out. I've never heard her laugh that hard in my life. It's so funny. She she <laughs> likes comedians. We watch comedians sometimes, but like a lot a lot of the time, I'll say, "Hey, you want to watch a comedian?" She's like, "No, let's find a movie." Like it's not her thing, but it's funny that whenever she watches one, she almost like she. You know, her face turns red and she laughs so she loses. She can't catch her breath. Yeah, man, I thought she was gonna pass out. Like, I'm thinking, why isn't this like your number one hobby? I don't understand. Even my, even Jessica was like, I thought Jennifer was gonna pass out. Yeah. You see how hard she was. No, laughing? she she gets she she can get going. Yeah. Oh it's, man. Maybe, maybe it's like it's too much work. She's like, oh man, that was that was um, that was exhausting. <laughs> my sight's so gonna funny. hurt. Yeah. But yeah, during the hamster bone thing, she was going crazy. Yeah, when Theo's talking about being in class, yeah. he's like, I got a full body erection and this squirrel's just, hold, I'm holding a squirrel. <laughs> anyway, people that haven't heard that bit have no idea, but he, listen to it. You know, the thing, that I'll, the credit I'll give to him is like, uh, he could almost be saying anything. I mean, uh, his his bit's great, but I mean, just the the delivery and his, his accent and I mean, it's just, you know, and, and, and really, uh, people don't think of it a lot, just like the way he moves on the stage and how he kind of... oh. Yeah, that, Theo's that a goes, you know, nonverbal communication. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, very uh, good. Who was it that said uh, a good comedian can 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 say funny things, but a great comedian can say things funny? Oh, Does yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So Theo could read the back of a of a cereal box, sure. and he could make it hilarious. Sure. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know. He's, he's one of my all-time favorites. I just love the yeah. guy. He's, he's yeah, so like funny, him dude. again sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. All, All right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what do we got tonight? Tonight we are talking about the disappearance of a of a of an actor named Joe Pickler. Hmm. So uh when I say that, most people are not gonna know who he is, but picture this. Let me see. Picture this. You would probably most you'd probably recognize him most from Varsity Blues. And I'm going to talk about this obviously in a minute, but oh, he's he's uh, what's his name on there? Uh, oh uh, God, I have it right. Yeah, here. it's uh, it's like uh, Kyle. Kyle. So he is the little brother, right? The weird, the ultra weird little brother. Oh uh, yeah. In Varsity Blues, the one that starts his own cult and all that, like it's that little that little boy. Yeah, that's was he on. Was he on Malcolm in the Middle too? No, no. But I see that picture. He was just friends with him. Oh, he's friends with uh, Nunes or whatever. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So that kid, most people don't know, but that little boy in that movie, just a few years after that, uh, disappeared, and I mean vanished off the face of this earth with uh, with no trace, and has yet to be seen or found or any you know any hiding or hair of him Whoa. seen or found. Yeah. So we're doing a podcast on him tonight. Yeah. Says, it, are you probably going to go through what he was in? Yeah, you might keep those up because I don't know. Oh yeah, I think I do have those. Um, he was he didn't act for very long before he stopped and went back to finish high school and stuff. Mm, so his yeah. roster is not like super long. Yeah, but but uh, it's still intriguing for sure. Any missing person? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, Joe Pickler began what would become a fairly successful acting career in 1996. In the beginning, he was in several commercials, as most new actors are. 
but he went on to appear in several movies and TV shows. He was in episodes of Touched by an Angel, The Nightmare Room, and Lewis and Clark, or Lois and Clark, sorry, The New Adventures of Superman. And, and uh, he portrayed Brennan Newton in the third and fourth Beethoven movies. Oh, yeah. That the, actually the, might be where more people recognize. I don't the, know. The dog. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he even won a Young Artist Award for his role in the film Shiloh 2, which that one I have not seen, but I've seen the other ones we mentioned. Mm-hmm. But in case you don't recognize his name yet, as I just said a second ago, uh, what he is most memorable, uh, his most memorable role is as Kyle Moxon, the ultra-religious baby brother of James Vanderbeek's character, Jonathan Moxon, in the 1999 coming-of-age flick, Varsity Blues. I don't want your life. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's, a, that's a really underrated movie. It's 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like it's better than that. I feel is like it? it's pretty good. Have you seen it? Yeah, a long time ago when it first yeah. came out. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I kind of only remember that guy that got naked and stole the cop car. Was that Varsity Blues? <laughs> uh, w- yeah, it was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, it was the guy, like, uh, whenever the cops came up, he was like, I like those Mount Me hats. Yes. Like, yes. Mount Me hat, or Mount Me. He's like, oh, not right now. I have right. a few more beers. And is that also the... That's the guy that plays in Hawaii Five-0, isn't it? Isn't that uh, the his dad's super famous? I haven't seen uh, Hawaii Five-0. His, uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's also in the uh, uh, Ocean's Eleven movie, Ocean Thirteen. I don't, whatever. I haven't seen those either. Um, I haven't seen anything, man. Um, man, I forgot the guys. Uh, his dad was in Brian's song, a fantastic movie. If you've never seen that, uh, let's see, let's see if I'm right. Let's see if I, I'm taking you on this, James Con. Oh, James Con. Yeah. Oh, he his, looks like James Con. I can see that. Yeah, his son. That's his son. His son is uh, okay. Okay, I can see that. Uh, I, I, I'll let me get it. Sorry, I, I'm slow. Uh, oh, Scott, I think is his name. Scott. Damn, James Con is 80 and still alive. Good for him. Yeah, right here. Yeah, why if I, that guy? Yeah, God, he's all chin. Look at that fellow. Yeah, he's all chin. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, 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 yeah. That's him. Yeah, I'm. A, I want to make sure he's in Varsity Blues to to tie this. No, all that's up him. Nicely. That's the guy. Yeah, that's right for there. Sure. Yep, Charlie Tweeter. Charlie Tweeter. Yeah, I'm gonna steal this cop car because I'm yeah. a small town kid that just don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. wangers on the church windows. Yeah, <laughs> what's this town coming to? <laughs> and then the then the oh, you know who else is in that? Freaking uh, uh, um, legendary. Um, older star uh uh where is he where is john voight voight yeah voight mm-hmm. that yeah he's fantastic. he's the coach right fantastic yeah yeah i just watched a movie with john voight oh anaconda <laughs> dude not one of john voight's best roles where he's trying to be like this this uh latino yeah. guy I'm yeah like, no, john voight why why yeah yeah uh he was the dad in national treasure yes um you're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yeah. Okay, continue so, on. Most of you are probably picturing the scene as uh, back to back to Joe Pickler, uh, in which the young boy clad in white robes and a bandana is shuffling uh, similarly dressed kids through the house, and his mother asks, "Kyle, did you start a cult? That's so sweet." Oh uh, yeah, I do remember it now. Where he's like, "These are my people." Yeah, that's in varsity. But of course, and then the asshole dad is like, "You know, you're healthy. You're going to play football." Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that reverberates around these areas. Um, I bet yeah. you see a lot of it going to uh, football games. Well, I, you know, I'll just say this, and I even tell kids this sometimes, like, like, don't be impressed and don't think that what you hear coming from those stands yelling 
at the kids and refs. Don't think that that's how you should be as a person. I think our society is like, like these small towns have turned that into where that's like acceptable. You can yell things like that at people. And then I think that's just, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I'll say this, like a few years ago, we did some stuff with some mountain bike teams to where we took kids to some races where it's like our school versus other schools. And, uh, I don't know. I, I'm just going to throw this out there. Like a kid comes by, he's, he's, uh, uh, goes to a different school and all the coaches are there and there's some kids that are on the younger team and doesn't matter where he's from. All those coaches and the kids are clapping like, you know, cause it's him against the trail. I mean, he's against the other people, but he's really, you know, you're really still against the trail. Yeah, and for sure. Whoever, you know, is the fastest on the trail is the winner. Not that you're, it's just a different mentality. Instead of this thing where I'm tougher than you and I'm going to hit you so hard that you don't want to get back up, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I used to love it. I used to live and breathe it and love it and all that stuff. But, you know, you get older and you change your opinion about stuff. And now it's just like, man, that's not that's not really what I want to teach my kids, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, you can play hard, and, and I'm not saying the sport itself is terrible. I just think some of the mentality around it is. Like, and there's not, not everyone does that. Some people are. Like, you know, you hit somebody hard, and then you help them up and shake their hand, and you generally mean, or you genuinely mean it when you, at the end of the game, you give them a high five and say good game or whatever. Like, not just like, you don't just do it to go through the motions or whatever. So, I don't know. I think a lot of it is dads that are vicariously living through their kids yeah. and they shouldn't be. Yeah, dude, they have, ugh. like, that's me out there, not my kid. Yeah. And then when their kid doesn't perform, then they're a jerk to their kid. Right. Colton, what the hell was that, man? Yeah. Colton, hey, I yeah. told you to hustle. You're just like, yeah. Dad, shut up. Yeah. Sit down on your skull can in your back pocket, you hillbilly piece of shit. And just <laughs> and, let your kid have fun. And hey, and then to to uh to uh rednecks credit, sometimes it's not even the redneck dad. Sometimes it's a regular you think it's a regular old Joe, but then all of a sudden he's and even worse to yell at the refs. I mean, you know, and then at the end of the game the refs have to be escorted out by the cops because there's so many <laughs> That happens all every every season. That happens. Really? Yeah. So it's like okay. And here's the way I like to think of it: like if if the the game was so close that the refs decided it for you, you you probably didn't even really deserve to win, even if you won. If if you win, it's just like the ball fell the right way right at the end of the game, so you win or you lose. But. um if you beat them by 20 or 30 points, you're obviously better and the refs can't take that away from you. So that's the way I, I if I were, if I were a coach, I'd look at it. It's like, we're not going to, you know, and I'd also, if I coached, I'd also coach, like you do not talk to the ref. You do not like after you think they should call something or you disagree with their call. I see too many players looking at the ref and like putting their hands up. Like I, I just, I'd love a coach that would say, get off the field, you know, I'll I'll talk to the ref. I'm not gonna yell at the ref, but I'll talk to the ref about you know bad calls and stuff. Um, but you're not going to. Yeah. You're a player. You're gonna play. And and when you score a touchdown, hand the ball to the ref. Act like you've been there before. Everyone's heard that, but it means a lot. You know, hand the ball to the ref and then walk back to the sidelines and you know don't over celebrate. That's not the end of the game. You just think about like watching a game, watching a game film all these players celebrating all these times during the game and then they lose. It's like 
all that was for nothing. You know, so, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's like, just play the game and be respectful and help people up. And I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm too, uh, getting too soft over the, over the, over the years, you know. No, you're not getting too soft. You're becoming more human, <laughs> more humane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The way it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone should come away on, on a Friday night and feel good that, that, Win or loss, they they played a game, and it's gotten to the point where it's not a game anymore. It's 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 you know, the T-shirt. Football is life. Oh my God, kill me now. Okay, football's not life. Um, life is life. That's a part of life. I don't know. And like you said, if it's so close, if it's so close that like it just mattered which way the ball went. Like if it was a George Bush, what was it? George Bush Al Gore. <laughs> if it's that close, does it matter? Yeah, I'm sure it does if you're just in it for the W. But for the W. W. Oh, that oh, was a Freudian slip. That was for a Freudian the W. Slip. Uh, I miss that guy, by the way. <laughs> I miss him. <laughs> I miss him so much. I want him back. Yeah. I want anyone back. Oh, well, it's going to get real interesting. Just stick around. Mm. I don't want to get political. Mm. All right, ready? It's already interesting. So to the many point of, where it's sickening. <laughs> well, many of you don't know about Joe Pickler, but actually any of you listening already know this because I just told you a minute ago. Uh, a few short years later, after that iconic role as the weird little brother, uh, he would vanish without a trace and never be seen or heard from again. Whoa. What was his last thing? Do you know? His last... Uh, you said you might look one. up his IMDb. Uh, 2002, I, Children on Their Birthdays. Was that what it was? Yeah, okay. he, got a, he got a credit on it. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, Beethoven's Fourth was his uh, one before that. One before that, yeah. Zero percent. Zero? Is that on possible? Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, uh, yeah. It's possible. Is it that bad? 28% on audience scores. That means so no reviewer gave oh, it. Oh, no reviewers. Okay. Only eight, though. Okay. So that's not, I mean, it's probably not great, though. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't imagine that it would be very good at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, my My toddler, believe it or not, her absolute favorite movie right now, or movie franchise, is Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. She calls it Jensic Park. <laughs> watch, watch Jensic Park. Not, That's awesome. Not new. So she she specifically likes. Well, she likes all three of them. Yeah. Or four. There's four. There's Jurassic Park one, two, and three, and then there's Lost World, and I think there's another one. Then there's like even a, a newer one with what's his tits. From, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There is Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. in there. But um, we watched the first one, the second one, the third one. And The Lost World with William H. Macy. And uh, it's so funny because, in my opinion, now people might disagree with me, but you can just see as we watch all these movies over and over and over and freaking over, because you know how toddlers are. <laughs> yeah. You can see the devolving of, like, the first Jurassic Park was amazing. Yeah. Second one was pretty good. Yeah. Third one was uh, okay. Fourth yeah. one, you know, yeah. eventually you're just like, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. Fourth one was the <laughs> kind of the reboot, the revamp, which I thought it was okay, but not, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, not like the, I mean, I've, I've just watched the first one. over. Well, I said that to say, uh, it's no, it's no surprise that, that the fourth Beethoven movie is maybe, oh, is maybe not a blockbuster. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, but, I, I mean, but, but Hey, right now, in Beethoven's fourth defense, there's a kid that has that DVD and it's their favorite movie. Somebody and they yeah. watch it. Yeah, true. So hey, that's cool. Good job, Judge Reinhold. How does uh uh hey 
My wife uh, uh, met Judge Reinhold. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. Uh, she she sold him ice cream. Oh, that's cool. He his wife is from really Fayetteville. tall, isn't he? Uh, yes. Yeah. His wife is from Fayetteville. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and him and him and her just like came up, and my Jessica said she's like doing a triple take quadruple take like oh my god yeah you know she's thinking about like pretty and pink or whatever the hell he was on all these yeah. movies and stuff uh and then he pay he hands her his debit card to pay and it says his name yeah and you know awesome. she said i didn't fan girl out on him or i didn't say nothing but he was just kind of smiling like yeah i know i know it's, yeah i know you know it's me yeah, yeah i know yeah. I loved him in uh, Beverly Hills Cop. I loved all those movies. Oh, he was oh for sure. Yeah, for sure. He's just kind of the young pup, you know. Yeah, those were great. Helped he's out great. Axel Foley. Hell, he's even great in the Santa Claus. Oh yeah, As Scott or no, yeah. Scott was the main guy, but you know the stepdad. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's a good good actor. Yeah. So shall we get to know Joe Pickler a little bit? Before? Let's go. Yeah. Well, he was born on Valentine's Day. 1987, and uh, he was the fourth of five kids, and he had a loving, supportive family. I, I really didn't find anything freaky in his family. There was a rumor that we'll get to later, but as far as I could tell, his family life was pretty legit, right? So uh, his family was so supportive that when Joe decided to pursue an acting career at just six years old, they moved to Los Angeles to aid in that endeavor. This takes me back to the the fact that those days might be over. We were just Ooh. talking about how this exodus out of LA and everything, yeah. uh, which, uh, you know, I don't mean to sound, I don't mean to make it sound like it's just a barren wasteland. There's still like millions of people there, but, yeah. but I like that. I, I like it that if you want to be an actor or a musician or whatever, there's not this specific patch of land you have to go live on. I think that's sure. stupid. Yeah. I think that's stupid. So anyway, moving on. Yeah. Cause imagine all the people that have like went and had these big dreams. And We're going to move to Los Angeles and make it big. And then they end up, you know, whatever. Yeah, something bad. In a porno or something. Yeah. Well, that's making it. <laughs> it's making something. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Yeah. That's what he went there for. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure a lot of guys go there specifically for, yeah. yeah. You mean I could get paid for doing what I'm just, like, really good at? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Anyway. You can. You can be a star. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yep. enough on that, I guess. The <laughs> the move to Los Angeles uh, back in those days, it paid off for Joe, and he ended up uh, appearing in several commercials not long after. And in 1996, he would appear in a movie called The F- uh, or Not The Fan, but just Fan, I guess, which you when you brought up his uh, IMDb a while ago, I saw it. Mm. Um, it was a psychological thriller starring no none other than Robert De Niro Whoa. and Wesley Snipes as well. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, so... Um, speaking of Robert De Niro, you ever seen Taxi Driver? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time, but yeah, that's like seventies, right? Yes. 76, I believe. Yeah. So there's all these movies that you always hear about like Raging Bull, Taxi yeah. Driver, like, and I, there's a lot of them I haven't seen, but sure. they're ones that are like staples, right? Yeah. Iconic. I finally, for the first time ever watched Taxi Driver. Yeah. And what what I knew what's funny is what I mostly knew Taxi Driver from was the was it the guy who shot John Lennon? Uh, mm. Help me. Maybe. Man, I I was a kid. He was obsessed with Taxi Driver. Yeah. And he actually no, or was it the guy that tried to uh, assassinate Reagan Hinckley? Yeah. I've, I'm no, an idiot. I got nothing. I'm sorry, guys. But I'm, one of those. Just say was, one of those. I mean, it's going to be one of those, right? <laughs> It's got to be one of those. Okay. I'm, it, it was obsessed with something like that. It was the guy who tried to assassinate Reagan. Okay. Hinckley. Right? Yeah. Was that his name? 
I don't know. I I I remember the the shot and the falling and the chaos. I yes. remember seeing the video, but I I don't. And the Brady Bill, the guy that got shot. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, was paralyzed. It was okay. I'm gonna I'm going all out. It was the guy who tried to assassinate Reagan. He was also uh, uh, obsessed with Jodie Foster. Oh, okay. From that movie, Taxi Driver. Okay. So anyway, I finally watched that movie. It's weird when you like you've heard of something your entire life. And it's like a staple. It's like one of those classics or whatever. And when you watch it at the end, you're just like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just wonder, yeah. is it, is it, is it like a product of the times? Like if you watched it in 1976 or 77, like, is it, you know, is it because it, there was a nerve, like a nerve of the country? Maybe so. Struck, you know, maybe me watching it, you know, for what, 45 years after it came out. Yeah, maybe it's not going to strike this. Because I was like, it was okay. Yeah, some movies are like that. I I can't think of any good examples right now, but some movies are like that. I mean, they're iconic. You watch them, it's like, nah, not for me. But, but, you know, some are. I mean, it's, it's, you know, uh, like Vertigo. I just watched Vertigo probably, probably, uh, I don't know, just a few years ago, uh, Jimmy Stewart. And it's, it's a good movie. I mean, it's, you know, there's cheesy stuff in it. Yeah. But, uh. And I kind of figured it out, but it's probably, I probably figured it out because, um, just my whole life I've heard things about it. You know, it's a, it's a Hitchcock. Oh, okay. Um, anyway. Oh, I know I watched it because they interviewed the lady that starred in it. They interviewed her on like CBS Sunday morning or something. And so the next time I saw it on something, I watched it. But, uh, yeah, I mean it, it, you know, I'm not going to say it's the best movie I've ever seen, but that's supposed to be a top, you know, 50 movie or whatever. Huh. It's, it's very good, though. Well, speaking of Jimmy of course, Stewart. Jimmy Stewart, you know, that's it's hard to beat him. Speaking of him, um, like one of those classic movies when I did watch it, one that when it was done, I was like, oh, I get it. That was amazing. It was flat, the original Flight of the Phoenix. Oh, yeah. When I watched sure, that. That's one of my favorite oh, movies. Oh, dude, when that was done, I was like, yeah. oh, that was amazing. Yeah. That and, was amazing. And I remember seeing that. Just It would come on cable when I was a kid, and, and I'd always watch it. it. It was one of those, you you know those movies like, it seems like every few years you'd see it when you were a kid. It would oh, just yeah. come on, you know, late the late night movie. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite memories of, and it's so, it's, it's so weird that, that I'm even bringing this up because no one else will really, uh, um, really understand this. Well, they'll understand it, but they'll be like, what all that for that. <laughs> but, uh, one time, uh, you know, you're watching the the news at night when it's snowing outside to see if your school's closed. Oh, for sure. So I was like, I don't know, I might have been ten or something. So they closed school uh, on the ten o'clock news. You saw it on the little ticker, you know. I think it might have been a ticker, but I don't know. Uh, but anyway, right after that, the the late night movie was King Kong, the the one with the seventy one with um with um, um Bridges. Remember oh, that? Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that one? I remember that. Yeah. And and it's it's like a cherished memory in my mind because me and my sisters watched it and, you know, no school the next day. And we kind of made a little like thing, like like pallets in the living room and just popcorn and stuff. You know, I don't I know. I love that, that stuff. Man. Yeah. I, for some reason, like every time I see that movie or I think of that movie or, or I see like even a new King Kong movie, I th- that's like a cherished. That's like. That's and maybe that's why I'm even saying on the podcast that that way it's like, it's now it's you know digitally written forever that that's like an awesome moment of mine. But you know just something little like that. You know I love those and moments. I love that movie. It's a long movie. Yeah, and that may be why it's a like cherished memory because I mean it's quite a big memory, right? Cause yeah. But anyway, that's just a little thing. I love I love uh, and those then, moments. And then later on, uh, that 
that kind of lit a fire for under me for like monsters and stuff like that. So I, I remember later on watching the old, the old, old King Kong. And I love that. And then I got into like universal monsters later. I love all those. Yeah, well, Dracula, yeah. werewolf, uh, Wolfman, all this stuff. Anyway. So that's, that's a little tidbit. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I love those. I love those cherished little memories that just yeah. make you like feel sure. warm, all warm and fuzzy inside. Oh yeah. Cause you're every once in a while, the, the movie's on every once in a while when there's a commercial, you're looking out the door and looking to see the snow piled up and it was really, you know, getting crazy. Yeah. I think we missed a couple days on that deal. So that's awesome. I love, I love that. And, and now I'm a teacher and it's like, I'm watching the news for the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> all these years later. Yeah. <laughs> I remember doing that as a kid. Oh my God, my school came up. Thank God. And one, one time I got a text message because I was out and about. It's not happened very many times, but I got a text message from one of the principals and cause they, they were talking to my wife. They knew I was driving around you know, have that Jeep and stuff. And they were like, what what's Ivan think about the roads? And I remember thinking, Oh my goodness, the tables have turned. I've got some executive. Yes. And I was like, they're not great. <laughs> like, and then I'm like the kid again. It's like, maybe I should have said you know, I slid a little bit. Yeah. Why didn't I, you know, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, I, I, I love my job, obviously, but a, a unscheduled day off every once in a while is awesome. Well, that's always a treat. And the thing is like, um, the way I see it is like I had regular jobs before I started teaching. So like, I'm, I'm not afraid to work and I'm not afraid like, well, if you miss, we're going to tack that day off and your summer's going to be one day shorter. I'm like, come on, please. Let's trade a crappy part of the year for a nice part of the year. I don't even care. I'm fine with it. <laughs> Let's miss a whole week. Oh, my goodness. Did you know that you'll lose a whole week or something? That's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Chill. Yeah. Like, we're, we're it's fine. It's like some, I don't know. It's like we don't have the money to go stay on an island all summer. I mean, we're just going to be home. So, it's like we can, we can trade it. Let's trade it. <laughs> Everyone's tired. It's like, you know, the middle of January. It's like. Let's trade it. Let's do a, let's do an even trade. Trade some of these crappy days for some of those sunny days, all right? It's it's fine. And there's something to be said for those days where it's colder than hell outside and you just snuggle up, you got a yeah, blanket. Yeah, exactly. You have some hot chocolate, you put on a good yeah. movie. Man, that's, that's, that's right. great. Yeah. Yeah, go outside, freeze, make a snowman, freeze your hands off to where they're red and they're almost frostbitten, and then come in and warm them up by the heater. You know, that's awesome. I oh, like I can't. Yeah, I can't. Oh, those are yeah. so, some of the great, like, warm, fuzzy memories I have, and I've mentioned it on here before. Every single night, uh, starting at, I think, 10 o'clock or maybe 9 uh, on OETA, I believe. Or no, no, it was Fox 23. And this is 25, 30 years ago. Guys. Sure. Uh, they would air an episode of the original Star Trek. Oh, yeah. I've watched a lot of those. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. And then they would air, uh, and I don't know what order. Uh, and then I think afterwards they would air an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, uh, okay. And then I could skip over to OETA and Are You Being Served? With yeah, you? I, I always watch those. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And so those shows are so nostalgic. because What's ev- the guy's name that, that was kind of like the, he wasn't really the star of the show, but he was probably like the funniest. Like the little conniving guy that would, you know. Well, there was Trevor Bannister. He was, uh, well, the, well. there's different eras. There was Mr. Spooner. Uh, there was uh, Captain I, Peacock was the older guy. Um, Mr. Humphreys was the kind of like metrosexual sort of, you know, menswear. He would answer the phone like that. Um, are you being served? God, I love that show. I love yeah. that show so much. That guy. What's that guy's name? Mr. Humphreys. Yeah, I love that guy. I love him too. I thought I think he was my favorite. Yeah, I mean, because he always had in his comments, 
What's the deal with the 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 pussy? I I can say that. That was Mrs. Slocum. They always her cat. So, yeah, their cat. But I mean, when I was a kid, I was kind of confused by it because I was like, is there no comedic value in that for them? Because I'm cracking up when they're saying it. No, that's the whole point. Yeah, where she was, she was always talking about her cat. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. she would say, "Oh, there was a storm the other night." And my pussy was a fright. And then yeah, everybody would just die. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, I guess I probably knew. I was, you know, I mean, I can't, I don't know. I was just trying to remember. I was like, I remember th- being a little confused. Like, how can they say that? I right. guess probably that's what it was. Right, that was it. That's how they got away with it. And then there was, uh, oh, Mr. Rumbold and Mr. Granger. I guess um, I always thought, like, uh, yeah, I get it. She's talking about the cat, but, like, I didn't think that was allowed. Because you don't ever see it on American TV. Right, you know? yeah. No, the Brits got away with it. Yeah, such a great show. Yeah, but that yeah, that whole lineup is so like it's so close, near and dear to my heart because every single night, you know, like I told you, it's a whole long thing. But I spent most of my childhood pretty convinced that my uh, John Inman—that's Mr. Humphrey's yeah. real name. God bless yeah. him. He just he just uh, two thousand seven. He passed away too. Yeah. Love that man. Yeah. Um, but uh, I spent most of my childhood pretty convinced that my my bedroom was haunted. Oh, um, that's serious. I mean, you know, there's a whole thing. There's an episode. It's called The House on uh, Hall Hill Road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've listened to that. So I spent a lot of my childhood sleeping in the den, which was directly like there was only a wall separating me from my parents. I just yeah. wanted to be as close to them as possible. There was a couch in the in the I call it a den. It was just we had a tiny house. Yeah. But it was just some little room and there was a little black and white TV in there. And uh, every single night I would lay on the couch. I would set up my little TV tray. I would set up saltine crackers with cheese on them and make little sandwiches, and I would get a big uh, glass of iced tea, and I would watch my shows. Yeah, that's awesome. I just and yeah. that might not sound like anything to you. To and we all talked about now. it before. You had the TV guide because I did too, and I had like I would use. I don't think there were highlighters back then, but I would circle my shows and I would plan out my night. And it's like for sure, you know, especially on the weekends because the weekends are weird because it's a little different. Like it's not so set. So you had to like find stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And but we only, the week I knew, I knew what I was watching. We only week. had like four channels. Yeah, anyway. exactly. And, uh, I don't know. A lot of people listening are, are our age or older. So you'll sure. Get oh yeah. You're but our demographic. I want to impart this though on anybody who is younger listening to me. And I think to, if, if like, if I told my daughter or somebody that was like at 20 or under, about this they'd probably think it would sound like a nightmare mm-hmm. but it's so nostalgic and like there's something so romantic about the fact of thinking about the days before cell phones like there was just a landline hanging on the, there was a phone hanging on the wall at your house and when you left your house you were disconnected from the universe yeah and there was only like one or two tvs in the house maybe two if you were lucky you must be rich right and on those TVs was maybe three channels. And you were kind of just at the mercy of whatever was on those. But And that sounds maybe horrible to someone that's not used to that. But there was something so cool. No, you know, yeah, there's something I, I so totally cool agree. about that. I totally agree. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. But look, thinking back about that time, like now, and I'm even guilty of it now. If I go somewhere and I've forgotten my phone, I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, I know. Oh, oh it, I don't have my phone. It has, yeah, oh. it makes you feel. What if someone tries to get a hold of me? Who gives a shit if they try to? Yeah. They'll get you later. Like, Louis C.K. has this great bit about back in the day, there was just a landline phone that hung in the kitchen. And when no one was home, it just rang lonely. It just nobody answered. And, you know, maybe if you were fancy, you had an answering machine. 
I remember when my parents got their first answering machine, I was like 16 or so, maybe 15 years old. They got an answering machine, and you could hold down this button and re- record your own message. <laughs> yeah. Did it have the tape in it? Yes, yeah. it had the tape in it. We had one of those things. What I would do, I was just learning to play guitar, and I was learning all these old Nirvana songs and stuff. I would press the button, and you had like 20 seconds. And I would play 20 seconds of a Nirvana song, or like Come As You Are, or whatever. And I would sing it. Can't you know? come to the phone. <laughs> Call us back. Yeah. And then I would listen. I would listen back to it. You know what I mean? Oh, that, oh and you, you wouldn't leave, do it for messages. No, just, it would just be oh, the only okay. way I could hear myself. Oh, okay. I see what you're, I thought you were going to say that you left a. And then I always had to remember that when I was done, I'd have to be like, uh, welcome to the hall residence. You have reached, you know, blah, blah, blah. We can't yeah. come to the phone right now. Blah, 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 blah. We'll call you back. It's like, why is Joe always on there? It was always me. <laughs> Yeah, but that was I'm it. Using it as a one-track recorder, and I remember how excited I was to like hear myself play back. Yeah, I was just like, "Oh, oh my God, I'm singing it!" I don't no, know. No, that's awesome. No, that's like cool. Anything, no, that's cool that you you're very resourceful, right? You're very yeah. resourceful. You, to, you know what time it is? Yeah, it's you time. Talk for a minute? I yeah, I'll talk for a minute. <laughs> so, what what the way the way I look at this is is hopefully today's youth has some things, and I think they do. I think that we're just being old and crotchety. I think, I don't know what it is. Uh, it might be TikTok. By the way, we're on TikTok now. But they have their things that they're going to look back on in 20, 30 years and be like, hey, remember we had those apps on our phone, like TikTok, and we played around with those? Um, yeah, so now now it's it's AI. AI is in control of everything, and, and – uh, it was cool back in the day before before AI where we had our TikTok apps and our YouTube and our, our Facebook and our Twitter. But now now AI controls everything so we can't express ourselves like we used to. I don't know. I don't know what I'll say. But I think they'll look back. It may not be AI. But I think they'll look back at some, at some of this stuff and they'll have the same cherished memories. I think we just get old and I get this way too. It's like they're not going to have the cool stories like we have. It's like, yeah, they probably will. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll be in a different context. It'll be in a different context in something that something that we we shan't and can't understand. Yeah. Uh, but I just hope they do. I just the uh, the thing that I'm worried about sometimes is that they won't. Like I, I don't want um I don't want this technology to uh depersonalize people like our d um um, personality people. What's, yeah. Would there be a better? I get that. No, there's that's... a better word like to like take away their uh, the and and I've always said this like uh, well not always but more recently I say this like the advantages and and I I think you know our kids have a lot of this especially you know our daughters especially my oldest daughter my my middle daughter she's getting better about it but like the ones that can actually talk to people and you know, be, be, um, be out open and, and not be too embarrassed to talk to people. You know, they have a huge advantage now and that's actually, it's sad, but it's kind of cool Yeah, because you know, you, you know, you'll go into an interview, you'll have the same skills as somebody else, but ultimately what's an interview other than who would we like to work with? Who, who would we like to see every day? Especially if you got some kind of boss that's actually working with you, which oh, yeah. I suggest that's what you do. You get a job like that, the the unseen person. That's that's tough, but anyway. But you know, you got an advantage because it's like, yeah, I want to hang out with them. That's cool. That would be yeah. 
that would be 99% of what I would base it on. Yeah. Do I want to hang out with this guy? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if not, I'm not hiring you. Exactly. So. Hey, do you want another brewski? No, I, I think I'm good. All right. No. No more brewskis for No more. It's a, it's, it's, I know, I know my, I know my limit. He no, knows I'm his kidding. limit. Yeah. Well, so. no, you need a li- you need to drive home. I ha- well, yeah. I have to walk twenty eight feet home, so we're good. If you have so many, you couldn't get home. That would be a huge problem. That would be bad. It means I couldn't it's walk like, thirty feet. Hey Joe, do you have a <laughs> you have an extra wheelbarrow laying around? <laughs> so. If it ever comes to it, there is a wheelbarrow just outside, the, right on the other side of the garden shed. You know what we should do by the house? What you want to do a prank? Let's do a prank at the end of this pot. At the end of one of these, it doesn't matter what. Like we put you in it, and I like wheel you up, <laughs> and like you just like. Like later, I wonder if we could pull it off. I wonder if we would take all of my acting skills. I mean, I'd have to have just have a fantastic. Do day, I act passed out? Which yeah, which I never do. But but let's just say one time I actually get this acting thing down, and then like go to the door. I don't know. Well, how am I going to get you up the steps? No, what we should just. <laughs> no, I don't have to wheel you there because they they'll be inside. So we'll just put it, the wheelbarrow on the on the porch and right. you lay in it, and then I like knock on the door. Right. It's like hey Joe, you know. He went a little overboard tonight. A little, I don't know. I don't even know what I'd say. I don't know. It might be a stupid prank. But if it worked, it would be amazing. It might. <laughs> it might. My wife, if it works, we would know it, that it would work because my wife would just be really mad for a minute until I raised up and was like, okay, I'm okay. Yeah, we do that thing. <laughs> do that thing like when you're a kid and you know you made somebody mad. You're like, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Joe Pickler was in this movie with Robert De Niro and Wesley Snipes fan, right? Fan. And uh, he was also in episodes of The New Adventures of Superman, which we talked about earlier, and uh, In the House, which that's something I'm not that familiar with. No, I don't know anything about that. He would go on to appear in 11 more film and television roles, but by 2002, his family had returned to their hometown of Bremerton, and that's in Washington. Yeah. And they were urging him to follow suit. Mm-hmm. So his mother later told a reporter, and I quote, I just wanted him to have some normalcy in his life. He's a good boy and took it well, but he wasn't really happy about it. We always kept him really grounded. He's always been a regular kid with a job a teenager wouldn't normally have. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So Joe eventually agreed to move back, albeit a little reluctantly. Uh, but he seemed to settle in pretty quickly once he got back there. Um, he finished high school and graduated in 2005. Mm. Once he turned 18, he had access to the money in his trust fund. So, right. So, like, as he's acting, and that happens a lot with these child actors, um, I guess maybe the parents keep enough to live off of or whatever. I don't know if, if they did that exactly. But the bulk of it, if they're good parents, they put it in a, in a trust for the kid that he sure. will get when he's 18. Sure. He or she. That's what they did. So when he's 18, I'm assuming I don't I never found an exact amount, but I'm assuming it's probably tens of thousands of dollars. I'm guessing because he's yeah. I mean, he's in he was in two of the Beethoven movies, Varsity Blues. I would be shocked if it was less than like thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. Right. I mean, isn't Beethoven fourth? I mean, that's that means it's a lot of film time, right? Right, right. So, you know, I don't know an exact amount, but it had to be a substantial amount of money. I'm guessing, especially if you're 18 years old. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What could you even do with it anyway? Oh, my God. I don't know. Like, I've got a couple of family members that uh, because of a uh, uh, a trust fund, they received a fairly large amount of money when they turned that age. And I told them myself, um, 
I can shudder. I shudder to think what I would have done with that amount of money when I was 18. It yeah. wouldn't be, it wouldn't be good. Yeah. It would be bad. Like if, if there were ever a trust left to me, it should have been like, you, you can receive this when you're 38 yeah. years old. <laughs> yeah. It just go took to me like, a little longer to bloom. Go to like bloomer. Sam's club and buy like, you know, a, you know, five cases of gummy worms. There's no telling. Like, There's no yeah. telling. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but yeah, so be good. once he gets access to this money, he moves out of the house. He gets his own apartment um, across town. and uh, But he was still close with his family. He still visited them all the time. Uh, a couple of months before he went missing, he got a full-time job as a telephone technician at Teletech. Uh, he was a tech person there for Nextel and some other phone company that I couldn't find the name of. He had not pursued acting since his return to Bremerton in 2002, but... He was planning on returning to L.A. to revive his acting career just as soon as his, as his braces were off. So from outside appearances, Joe Pickler had his life in order. Yeah. So let's talk about the disappearance. Yeah, for sure. Which character, which person are you drawing off? I can't person? tell you. Yeah, okay, all right. It's I'll a secret. All right. And I can't tell anyone right. out there. <laughs> all right. The, I, I, there's a big reveal. I'm sorry. but No, no, let's do it. Let's, that's fine. The day before his disappearance, Joe played Magic the Gathering with some friends and from all accounts was in good spirits. Late that now that's a what like a mystical card game or it's something. A, yeah, it's it's uh it's kinda like Dungeons and Dragons, but it's card version. So you got like you can make your deck and like verse you know, you, you have like cards on the table and they verse other cards that your opponent pulls out and Okay. You got spells. It's actually kinda cool. I've never played it, but I've actually seen some Twitch streams of people playing it. It's I don't watch it for long because I don't understand it, but um, but it seems cool. Okay, all yeah. right, cool. Yeah. So that's what he did on his last, you know, on the evening before the day before his disappearance. Yeah. So late that night, uh, in the early morning hours of January fifth, two thousand six, he spoke with one of those same friends again on his cell phone. So this would be the last time anyone would speak to Joe Pickler. Now the precise details of that final conversation are a mystery. Could not find any details about that. Mm. Concerns grew quickly over the following days when his family and friends were unable to locate or contact him. Four days later, on January 9th, his silver 2005 Toyota Corolla was found behind a restaurant near the intersection of Wheaton Way and Sheridan Road in Bremerton. Mm. Some accounts actually have his friends leading his family to the car. Some have pointed out his friend's knowledge of the car's location was suspicious. However, it is possible that they were just out looking for their friend and they happened to find it before the family. I didn't find that, you know. How big of a town is that? Bremerton? Yeah. Uh, you might need to look. I don't know. I would imagine, for for some reason. Uh, Washington I f- State, you said? Yeah. I feel like it's a, a larger town. I'm just going to, don't tell me yet. I'm going to guess it's uh, 150,000. I just get I 30, think, 37. That's it. Bremerton, Washington. 37,000. Yeah. Really? 2010 census, but it can't be that much bigger. Puget Sound Naval. Okay. It looks like though, is that the city? Because what's right across the bay here? What's, uh, that's a good question. Cause it looks like it's right. It's adjacent to a, a much larger city. I don't know uh, if that information is readily available to us. Well, it is somewhere. Um, actually, let's just go this way. Let's go to maps. 
and then zoom out and see what that is. It looks bigger. Yeah, you're right. But uh, some, you think it's a suburb? I do. I look. Yeah, it is. It definitely look. Look around it. So some people were saying that his friend's knowledge of the car's whereabouts or that they found at first was like nefarious. But I would just say that they were probably out looking as well. To me, it didn't. It didn't strike me. Oh, it's right by Seattle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. So there's. Let's see. Let's see how far it is from Seattle. Like it's just time. across the. Uh, I'll just. I'll just uh, see. I mean, it looks like it could be like you know forty five minutes away because I mean. Where's Bremerton look, on this map? Right here. Oh yeah. So it's just across this little body of water from Seattle. But I don't see like a main road that goes there. I don't either. There may be a bridge across there or something. This is where we need to incorporate hour this. and five minutes. It's an hour away from Seattle. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that's pretty close. See, see, that's what I was thinking. See, look that road. Look, it's an hour away because it goes way the hell down here. Yeah, I bet as the crow flies, it's twenty minutes. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's just right across that that river or whatever yeah, you want to call probably. it. Probably. Okay. There should be like, uh, I bet there's a website as the crow flies. As the crow flies. Yeah, I guarantee there's a website like. But that. yeah, I don't. Personally, it didn't strike me as as shady that the friends found the car. First. No, I don't think so. It it doesn't it didn't feel like that to me. Right. Um, authorities were not yet even looking for for Joe or his vehicle at this time, though. That's another important thing to say. And say what you want about this, but the family did not file a missing persons report until January sixteenth. Hmm. So what is that 11 days after he disappeared yeah so i don't know what to say about that 11 days i obviously don't think the family you know had anything to, i mean to say that they even had anything to do with that that's ridiculous yeah um i don't know i don't know it's weird people process stuff differently some people you know, we read cases like this, and sometimes the person has gone 30 minutes and the family's ready to file a report. Sometimes the person's gone two weeks and, the per- and you know, the family might be like, well, we think they... Well, but, I mean, can't don't you think you can talk to the cops? Like, don't you think, like, day two, day three, you talk to the cops and maybe they you you do some stuff with them, but maybe the report's not officially filed till later? Yeah. I mean, maybe so. Maybe that was the case. I don't know. I mean, I hope I never know unless I research it. Well, police began their investigation into his appearance uh, on that day, January 16th, but they did not find many clues. Now, cell phone records reflected the earlier mentioned phone call to his friend at 4.08 a.m. on the day of his disappearance, but that yielded no further useful information either. His apartment appeared to be in normal condition, um, with the exception that it had been left unlocked, which the family said was not really characteristic of Joe. He usually locked up when he left. Some writings were found in his car that many have suggested resemble a suicide note. So it's suspected that Joe was depressed in the weeks and days leading up to his disappearance, but the notes do not contain any language specifically suggesting suicide. The note does mention Joe regretting not being a stronger brother, in quotes to his siblings and it instructed that all his personal belongings be given to one of his younger siblings. Hmm. So this does sound cryptic. Okay. But Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that he intended to take his own life. No, no. I mean, it's not like open and shut. No. Um, such language could be, um, also used by someone who simply wished to leave their old life behind and start a fresh life somewhere else. So that's where there's two camps kind of divided on this. 
there's a group that are pretty sure. And I do admit that sounds like if you leave a note saying, I wish I could have been better to this or this person, uh, please give all my shit to this certain person. Yeah. That does kind of sound like you are planning on offing yourself. Yeah. But can you be sure? No. No. You can't be sure. Right. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. So police found no further activity involved with Joe's bank account or his MySpace. Remember, this was 2005 or whatever. Yeah, 2005. Did they talk to Tom? Tom. Remember Tom from MySpace? No. I could show you his that picture. One's, that, no, that one's going by me. Uh, I can show you his picture. You'll know exactly okay. what I'm talking about. Oh, they also didn't find any uh, other activity associated with his social security number. I remember that bowl haircut son of a bitch. That guy. Now, yeah. Tom Every, MySpace. Everyone. So MySpace was funny. Everyone had, I don't know if it was like a friend, but uh, um, yeah. Everyone had that guy in their MySpace. Tom with MySpace. He was the, he was the like creator. So, which is kind of creepy. Like the creator, everyone had the had him on. You does every Facebook user have Mark no, Zuckerberg as a friend? No. All right. Well, there you go. No, I wouldn't. I defriended him. <laughs> but look, last login three eleven two thousand six two thousand six. You know MySpace. You know what's annoying about MySpace. You'd click on it, and then someone's song that they love would be like, blah, like, bless. And I was like, like, can you imagine Facebook allowing that? Like, No. Um, it just seems like, I don't know, it seems like it's more for the creator than the person visiting. It's like, oh, wow, this person likes, this person really likes Tom Jones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you go to the, it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. I'm telling you guys. People listening, it seems impossible. Oh, but wrap your minds around it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok. They will all go the way of MySpace eventually. I think my my idea is that it will be sold to like a future like Ancestry.com. I think it will be a database that you... I could see that. It's like for premium access to ancient social media from the 2000s. But how uh, depressing. It's more nineteen ninety nine a month. You know, it, it's yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think that I think that the stuff that we think is sad, I think that in an historical con con uh concept, no constraint, maybe. Yeah. Historical constraint. I think it'll be awesome for those people. I think they'll like it. It's almost like uh like reading the newspaper from the twenties, I mean, you wouldn't read it and just be disgusted about anything you'd read in there. It'd just all be interesting, you know. You know, it, but but like now we see social media and we get disgusted because someone will take a picture of their food and like that's so stupid. Well, and I but don't if need it's your to, grandpa. I don't need to know every goddamn person's political views on everything. Well, that's true. I, oh I my actually, god! I actually, it's been a long time since I posted anything political on uh, on any social media thing. I'm just comparing it to like right now, and I've got Ancestry.com. You go on there, and it's just this mysterious, kind of like a grainy black and white photo of your great-great-grandfather, and just a few details of his life, and you're just like, you got, your imagination has to kind of fill in the rest of the blanks. But like, imagine... That compared to our great great grandchildren, that'll be looking back, and it's like Facebook John whatever put like on January sixteenth two thousand eighteen, 
ate at the Cheesecake Factory again, LOL. Yeah. And then the next one's like, Black Lives Matter? I thought all lives matter. Like, oh, shoot me in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's, it's depressing. It's depressing to us because we're having to live it. Like, but but uh, um, they'll look at it differently. I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, and the, and you can look at any like decade of of human existence, and you that you there are certain things like you'd say, well, that's that's silly. They did that, or why did they do that, or you know. But it's almost like I don't know. It's not as strong as emotion. I mean, even even when you look back at like genocides, I mean, it should. Think about how strong of an emotion you should it should pull from you, but it it doesn't ever pull enough. It seems like yeah, because it was so long ago yeah. Like, but sometimes I watch like those Ken Burns stuff about the Vietnam War and Civil War and all that stuff, and I mean sometimes it'll get me. I mean, but that guy and what that 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 guy and his crew they're just masters of of pulling that out. In fact, there's a story I just saw this on PBS the other night when they were. Um, talking about the um civil war they said they were um this is a really cool story i won't do it justice but i'll try my best because it kind of gave me chills like they were they you know they talk about how they try with sound and and the narration and whatever pictures they have and they kind of do the it's called it's actually called the ken burns effect now where you slow zoom in on a photo (laughs) really yeah Yeah. in fact uh if you have final cut pro uh, one of the options for cropping is it's called Ken Burns. It's on there. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So you can, you can adjust it to where my video editors out there, shout out to you guys. You'll know. Uh, but he, they were talking about that, the scene and they had a picture from Ford theater um, pointing at the, the place where Lincoln was setting that night at when the, he was the theater, our yeah. American cousin. Uh, so they were slow zooming in on that and they were mixing the sound and the narration with it. And they were like, working on it and they were just working away trying to get this thing done and then all of a sudden all of a sudden one of the editors stopped said she wasn't running the thing but she goes stop and and they were like what and she goes stop 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 and because it was getting to the point to where they had a gunshot sound and 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 whenever the narrator narrator got to a certain point it was like you know just to add to the whole you know feeling of that yeah, yeah. and uh and they were like hey, what's what's wrong she and they were like we don't we don't want to kill him yet we don't want to kill him. like they were in the moment like we don't want to kill him yet and so they just kind of sat there and they kind of had a moment of silence and they all it was all just like stone cold silent wow and then they you know they just felt it was real again just because it was it was really like putting them in the moment like p- taking them back to that and then obviously, you know, they played it and finished it, obviously. Uh, but I think that's really cool. I mean, that that goes to show you, one, the 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 level of respect that 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 team has for history. Yeah. Um, and then just like, you know, how deep they got into the content. You know, they were like in the middle of it and it was like too real, you know, even though, you know, it was 1864 or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's just a really cool um I read, I, I've seen almost every Ken Burns thing. I oh, mean, too, um, even on baseball, and I could give a yeah, shit but, less yeah, about exactly. baseball. But yeah. it was interesting. Yeah, it really is. Uh, uh, there's there's another one called uh, that's that's kind of a rare one. It's uh the where the it's called the what is it? I man, sorry. It's like uh, Horatio's Drive. 
Have you seen that one? No, that one I have not. It's just sure. a one-parter. It's a one-parter, but it's about this these guys that drove across the country in 1903. 1903. So, so they basically to to just kind of and it was a fifty dollar bet that they could drive this. Uh, what kind of car? Twenty horsepower Winton. Winton. And they, oh, there and, it is. And they like mailed they mailed parts. They mailed parts to different places. And the roads were just crap. Of course, back then, 1903, yeah. there was no highway system. And no. the whole story, the whole story of this is just amazing. That is it, so cool. It's, uh, you know, they didn't get far before they had their first breakdown. And they had, like, it was the guy, Horatio, and then he had a mechanic with them. And they just drove across the United States. 1903, the, the vehicle, the car, was not like this tried true and tested thing it was like, yeah no i mean that i think th- i i think they were like was uh, it a steam powered vehicle uh, or i don't know electric or combustible engine i think i, it, it was, I think it was combust i think it was a regular like combustible engine so let's see a two cylinder was, uh, there it was to get yeah, two cylinder went in combustible engine 30 miles per the, hour Look, through all the crush with perfect ease we're looking at an old Winton. yeah ad. it's basically yeah and it was kind of an ad for them um, they were built in Cleveland. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I think the way it started out, I think they were like just like a gentleman's club. Not not that type, but we're, you know. Everybody welcome to the stage Porsche. No, not that one. The no, real gentleman where they got cigars and whiskey and they're oh, talking yes. about random things. And, yes. and I think it just came up there. I think it was just like, well, I could drive across. Look at that know. car. That's a beautiful car. Yeah. Yeah. 1903. Anyway, one were- headlight. Yeah. That's where the wallflower was. We cut can that. make it how One headlight. Uh there it is. It says uh uh let's see, list After price of twenty five hundred dollars. Um it had even though the car already had a thousand miles on it, which was probably like a hundred thousand, rear tires were already in poor condition. <laughs> oh, they're talking about they prepped for the journey. They they spent a bunch of money and get and got it all getting the, the vehicle ready yeah were they the first people to drive a vehicle across the united states i think so and there was there was some competition like there was somebody else at that same time that was going to try to do it too it was like the gumball rally in 1903 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's it's beautiful a, yeah they went up north uh went up north of uh um illinois went through iowa um, nebraska nebraska yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah utah right there yeah yeah. And then uh, they ended up in Northern California or is yeah. that Oregon? No. Well, yeah. I can't uh, tell yeah, from here. Uh, they, yeah. They end up in California, but they like turn south right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. Beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. I have to really watch cool. that. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And here's their timeline. We can click on that. Um, I love this because there's always more features that go with it. If you go to the PBS.org, I'm, I'm plugging them, but hey, they're a nonprofit. We can hey plug, man, them. plug them, plug them. So, plug yeah. So basically this is where you can click like uh, through it and it's talking about. Look at that automobile chronology. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. We really anyway. need to do a video cast so we can share these images. with. Oh, people. that's true. That's true. Because well, that is so cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Yeah. Um, that's one of the first cars in 1885. Eight, I think yeah. I just said the F word. Eighteen eighty five. You're like, Pfft. You're like Pfft. yeah. I didn't. I didn't say the K part. Yeah. So we're clear. So it, it's a three wheeler. Carl Benz creates the world's first practical automobile powered by an internal combustible engine. That is so it's awesome. Like twenty years after the Civil War, less than twenty years. That's yeah. Crazy. And it's got like two large bicycle wheels yeah, on a, the yeah. end and one in the front. Yeah. Very very and like this rudder thing that you steer with. It's so cool. Yeah. Really is. 
Yes. One Steer- of the first, a lot of them were steam powered. That's why I yeah, asked oh, yeah. the Stanley yeah. steamer was one of the very first uh, automobiles. Yeah. And, and, and Jay Leno, Jay Leno's garage, he had, he had like an electric car and he was like telling somebody, one of the visitors, he's like, yeah, electric almost took off and almost become. They should have. Yeah. And it took till now. Now it's like, whoa, it's revolutionary. Electric cars is like. You know, yeah, a hundred years later. <laughs> Did that not have something to do with J.P. Morgan or why? Why is that my? It was some, probably somebody that had oil stock that pushed towards the oh, combustible engine. That obviously. sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right. Horatio Nelson Jackson takes sixty-five days to make the first transcontinental car journey. Yeah, nineteen oh three. Yep. Yep. So we're just going through the timelines. That's cool. All right. So we're so far away from where we're supposed to be. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So said, you said you found his car. So then we went on an automotive. <laughs> it's related. All of Joe's belongings were accounted for except his wallet and his car keys. The details of his physical appearance and the circumstances of his disappearance. Did I say his physical appearance? Yeah. And the circumstances of his disappearance were released to the media and posted on missing persons websites everywhere. So the Charlie Project website, which is a, f- a really favorite go to for, for cases like this. It reads as follows. All right. Joe Pickler is classified as endangered since January 5th, 2005. He's six foot two, 170 pounds, 19 years old. He was last seen wearing a white metal Nixon rotolog. That's rotolog real wood watch on his left wrist and possibly a brown T-shirt and jeans. He usually wears T-shirts, loose fitting jeans, boxer shorts, sneakers, ball caps and an animal skin belt his jean size is 34 and his shoe size is 11 and a half or 12 he is caucasian male light brown hair hazel green eyes at the time of his disappearance pickler was wearing a metal orthodontic brace or metal orthodontic braces i guess is what they meant with black rubber bands on the top teeth only now these are the ones he was waiting to get off of his teeth you know before he returned to los angeles he has a circular tattoo of a red Star Wars emblem on the inside of his right forearm and a small scar across the bridge of his gnomes, nose. That is, his nicknames are Joe and Josie. So that was the end of that. Pickler uh, may have been depressed at the time of his disappearance. In addition, he is allergic to dust mites, cats, dogs, birds, and many other things found outdoors. Basically everything. He normally carries an al- al- albuterol inhaler for his allergies yeah but he did not have that with him at the time of his disappearance yeah according to some sources a few other things were going on at this time although joe had earned the money in his trust uh and was definitely deserving of it like i said earlier an 18 year old kid suddenly having access to tens of thousands of dollars may be a recipe for trouble joe's friends later said that he was experimenting with drugs and alcohol and that several quote unquote hangers on were coming around and not being a positive influence on his life, which I'm sure that will happen if you suddenly come into a lot of money. You can imagine the type of people, uh, you know, who will climb out from under their rock whenever they find out that uh, that you've got some money. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of them are just there for the party and when the money runs out, so do they. So this comes with the darker side of fame and is sadly all too common. Yeah. Because of this. Some have theorized that Joe's disappearance was the result of foul play. As always, there is no shortage of theories on the internet from you know a drug deal gone bad to Joe being knocked off or owing a, uh, a money to the wrong shady character. 
It should be noted that the family saw a single black glove on the ground beside Joe's car when they found the car, but they did not think it was important at the time. They didn't mention it. Hmm. Could have just been, I don't know. This is Washington in January. So it was cold. So it may have just been one of Joe's gloves. Um, As far as the police, they suspect that Joe may have committed suicide by jumping off a nearby bridge. His car was found just a mile, I'm sorry, a half mile from an area of water called the Port Narrows. But um, search dogs were dispatched to the area. They failed to find his scent anywhere there. And uh, that's that's it, man. That's There's not a lot to go on. So the problem is just I'm pulling this map back up that we had earlier. Um, and just to kind of paint the picture i'm gonna try to do my best play by play i mean if you look i mean washington in general in this area near seattle if you're from there you've been the air been around the area there's just a lot of water a ton of water so yeah if it was something like that that would make it very hard um to find that kid um you know not saying it's that but if, if if you're looking at the suicide angle, um, yeah, there's Bremerton. Yeah, there it is right there. So like we said, not too far from Seattle. Um, yeah, tons of water. Yeah. So I was just telling them, look at all the water. I mean, it's just, it's just nuts. There's no telling where he's at. Yeah, yeah. Poor guy. Um, so you know anything you've seen anything, uh, what's your, what's your opinion based on what we just went through, what we just covered? It's just, I mean, if, if you Googled the suicide rate with that age group, I mean, is, isn't it, it's, it's like our age is number one, right? Yeah, boy. Uh, middle-aged white males, we've got the market market cornered on. But suicide. I would imagine the next group would be his group, wouldn't it? It I is. Mean, I teens. think. Yeah, eighteen to whatever. Yeah, yeah. I do believe so. Yeah, I don't have those in front of me, but I, would, um, I can pull those up. Let's look it up. But I mean, I, I don't know. Without without much more, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, based on what we covered. And based on, I know his the 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 writings that were left in his vehicle or whatever wherever they found them. Yeah, in that kind of ads, they didn't specifically say suicide, but in my opinion, uh, when you are talking about regrets and you know, I wish I would have been a better person to this or that person. Uh, you know, please make sure that so and so gets my belongings, man, to me. Yeah. That sounds like suicide. Yeah. I know his family is fervently against that notion, which they almost always are. He wouldn't, you know, they would say he would never do that. Um, but I'm telling you, that's that's where my gut takes me on this. Are you looking at the statistics now? For Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't really like that one. As much. I really, really feel like in my heart that whatever was going on in his life, um, I feel like he took his own life. I, that's 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 where I feel this ended up at. Okay, what's this? Total suicides oh, in the United States. Oh, this is total. It's not. It's not broken. Broken up. Broken um, by age. The man. What's okay? There's total. Of course, fe- golly, fa- female suicides are age, his shockingly age less yeah. than male suicides. Yeah, way less. 
I mean, so, way less. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Age adjusted 2016. So here's 2016. What do we got? Oh, wait. Male. We're at the top. Yeah. Yeah, but that's just male. I, yeah, I know you were trying to kind of Yeah, I'm get trying more to find specific. Uh, it's th- that said age is just Oh, well that. There we go. Total white, non-Hispanic white, black American Indian Asian. It's still not saying like that's still not saying like uh, like age, like what age you're most Oh yeah, cuz that was just saying race. We need yeah. to find a more specific one. But you are right. I have Oh, read, right here. Right here. Yeah. Age group and sex so male. So so right here. I mean, obviously without looking at a graph there it um, is. We were right. 45. So we're not there yet. 45 to 64 is the number one because it's like 61. But it's not number one by much. No. Because the 25 to 34 white male demographic is is slightly 58. under. 58. Yeah. yeah. And then the 55 to 64 is slightly under. So basically we could say that 25 to 64. Yeah. For males anyway. Yeah. Uh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Females. Their their spikes up at the same rate, forty five to fifty four. Um, yeah. uh, what, what? Why do you think that is? That that would be? You know what? Okay, I'll let you say. I'm sorry, I have my. Why? Own ideas. Why do I think that that for women it spikes up at forty? No, for men. I was going to ask you for men. For well, men, the forty five to fifty four demographic. I mean, just to just a straight guess. I mean, I, I I'm not trained in any in any of this, you know, psychology or anything, but. uh my guess would be you get to that point and your life's not what you thought it would be. Yeah. Um, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. Um, which goes to goes more to the thing we talk about, like, you know, build your life to where that's the life you want to live. And, and obviously there's things that happen that, that, you know, out of your control and you can't handle. Um, but you know, I, you know, I'm not going to be, be out there, be one of those that's going to, you know, disparage the dead and say oh wimp you know or no 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 i've talked about this before yeah i do not shame anyone uh you know if someone has decided to remove themselves from this whatever we're in and uh, that's a fancy way of saying commit suicide i don't Um, mind when people think it i guess because you can you can feel sorry for some a loved one left behind especially if it's kids I, I, but I don't really, I don't, it doesn't help to be vocal about it. You can no. be human and have a thought and be like, man, that was a kind of a crappy thing for that person to do to their kids. But to say that like in front of a bunch of people and for me to say that on a podcast would be terrible. I would, I don't shame people. I, I've known personally, personally, I've known several people that committed suicide yeah. and I don't know if that's normal. I don't know if everyone can say that. I don't know. But I, 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 I've known several yeah. that have uh, committed suicide and one that attempted it uh, but was not successful. And uh, I've just never been one to shame. I don't, you know, if someone wants to do that, I don't shame them. I, I don't know. Same don't way with weird. the homeless homelessness. I mean, I feel like a lot of that is just mental health issues and chemicals. So, I mean, I don't really want to be one of those that get on the bandwagon that there's always the story yeah, they have a car that's really nice. So as soon as they're done gathering the money, they're going to go to their car and they live better. They eat better than we. We eat. <laughs> it's like there might be some people that do that, but but obviously your life's not great if you're out there all the time holding the sign. I mean, for most people, I mean, come on. I mean, 
I don't think it's a big the big racket. And there's like there's even some conspiracy theories where there's like like it's like a company and those are the employees. <laughs> really, I've heard people talking about this. Really, yeah, it's like they have employees place at different places. Panhandler and- Incorporated. <laughs> We have employees in every major city in the United States. Yeah, we're Fortune 500. Yeah. Misfortunate 500. No, that's, <laughs> that's not a funny joke. What's your idea on that 45, 54? I agree with everything you just said, and then add to that the fact that a lot of people, a lot of middle-aged men, your kids have left the house, your empty nester, mm. you maybe don't feel quite like you're so useful anymore. Louis C.K. has a really, a really good joke about Men in their 40s, he's like, no one gives a shit about men in their 40s. It's not like, you know, it's not like, oh, I helped someone across the street today. You know, he's just like, if you're in your 40s, people expect you. Yeah, you you have your shit together. Do your job. Shut up. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I think that there's a, a crossroads there where a lot of us feel like a lot of us feel like we're not particularly needed anymore or we're struggling to find our place in society. God knows that our pop culture right now and and yeah, the middle-aged white guy is not a real popular figure right now uh basically yeah basically that demographic is blamed for every bad thing that's ever happened <laughs> ever uh yeah we we've got a problem we got a problem uh in society in general that that people can't think two things at once right right where they're like that person right there that i saw in that video is a piece of shit Bit, one of the biggest piece of shits ever, but I can also know that not everyone in his demographic is also a piece of shit. Exactly, only that guy is. Yeah. You know, it's like um, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's you know, it's pretty messed up. Judge each person based on their own merit. To me, to me, society is a is a car driving. And, you know, a lot of times you're just trying to keep it in between the lines, but sometimes you swerve off a little bit and your tire goes in the, in the ditch a little, or just right off the edge of that, or off the edge of that little ledge that's only like six inches tall. And you're just kind of riding in that and it's like, <sighs> so you got to, you should put on the brakes and easily get back on the road. Yeah. So maybe that's like, that's when we had slavery and stuff. Your tire was like in that, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about a really slow motion car, I guess. Uh, but then like, I think sometimes society can swerve to the left, left and overcorrect and, uh, yeah. Okay. We got away from that place, but now we're coming on to oncoming traffic. We're going too and, far. And then we have to swerve back the other way. Um, I think political parties aid in that a lot because yes. I think a political party <clears throat> is trying to pull you to the, that one extreme side or the other, whenever that's not the answer hardly ever. Most decisions in life, you have time to think about. You don't have to knee-jerk reaction. I mean, you can process, um, and you can also, a lot of time, you know, not have to form a strong opinion about anyone. You could just say, well, first off, they're human, number one. So let's let's put whatever they did in that context first before we vilify them. And then also social media, it makes it seem like it worse, worse than it is. It's, you know, it's still... As much as we rag on social media, it's still a small percentage of the old pie out there. There's, <laughs> yeah. if you, uh, I want to look that up. I think I cut you off. You're in the middle of something. Was I? I don't remember. I'm sorry. You're gonna have to listen to the podcast and find out. Um, 
um, where I, I did cut you off. You were in the middle of something. What I, I feel like I, and this is, I today I spent my lunch break at my desk eating my lunch, and I was on Zillow. Yeah? Uh, not Zillow. There was no, Zillow, I guess, is specifically uh, real estate in America, I guess. Yeah. I went to Realtor.com, and I was looking, and not a sponsor, but I'm, I'm not a sponsor, but I'm going to name them anyway. I was looking at homes in Canada. Because I've had this thing where my daughter, you know, she's going to be graduating, 18 years old, graduating, moving out, going to college or doing whatever her life path is in about four years. Right. Mm-hmm. And part of me is like, tell me, tell me how flawed this thinking is. Part of me feels like. The division in America. I know the mainstream media is responsible for a ton of it. Maybe all of it. Like social media and the mainstream media is responsible for so much of it. But no matter what we do, we can never change the past. And the past, the fact of the past is this. There was slavery for a long damn time in this country. Yeah, sure. A long goddamn time. Sure. We can never change that. No. I don't think that's ever going to go away. And maybe, I don't think... That the black community is ever going to say, you know what? People make mistakes. And maybe they shouldn't. That's probably okay. It was horrible. Yeah, and sure. it hasn't been that long ago. I mean, it's not, not really. Like, it's not, not, not like scheme of things. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. Of no. If like your great grandpa was a slave, it's pretty goddamn recent. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying I don't see there ever, anytime soon, being peace. America is so divided America's so divided, man. And I don't know that I don't see there ever being just total peace in this country, maybe ever. And so there's well, a but, but I think there is, though. Well, there's a cynical side of me that's like, you know what? As soon as I get the opportunity, I'm going to move up to Canada and I'm just going to watch it burn from down from up there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's probably a, such a shitty thing. Well, to, no, to it's think. not. But but I'll, I'll I'll counter that a little bit to say that, like. If you kind of stay in your little camp and stay at your little campfire and you talk to just salt of the earth people, like you don't like follow, like usually most people aren't, even though they might be far left or far right, usually they'll meet you somewhere in the middle, just in a normal conversation. They don't try to lay it on too thick. Most people, some people do. So what my, what I'll say is like, the the craziness is still a low percentage like yeah and yeah. i mean I, I know there's like cities and they have riots for days over something but i mean that's why i choose not to live in one of those cities yeah like and so am i am i falling victim to what like the ma- the mainstream media wants me to believe no i, I don't think that i mean the, if it bleeds it leads i mean i i feel like i feel like be, it's their fault but i feel like it's if people didn't watch it they wouldn't do it either yeah there's a great movie called Nightcrawler. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. That's a yeah. great, yeah. great movie. I didn't man. love the ending, but but the uh, the premise of it is great. Yes. You know, dragging the body. It's, he didn't get a good camera angle, so he drug the body. Yeah. Instead of helping the guy. Oh, yeah. And it's such a good like journey to see how he gets into it, and then he just devolves into doing whatever yeah. it takes. It's a great movie. I like how he's a super flawed character before. But then he he gets in there and you think, well, you keep thinking you're like, this guy's going to fail because he's a he's a pretty crappy, you know, at the beginning, not to give anything away. But I'll tell you the very beginning, like he beat the crap out of somebody. And we don't know if he killed him or what. Right. It doesn't show. Right. But 
you keep thinking as he goes through, it's like he gets into his little thing where he's filming uh, news. If it bleeds, it leads, uh, obviously. Um, but you keep thinking, it's like, well, he's not a good guy. He won't make it. <laughs> oh, wait. he's <laughs> He gets really good, and yeah. he gets he's the best. Yeah. And that's sad that he can. But I will say this, like, I, you know, the country's big enough to where, I mean, you're saying Canada, and, and Canada seems awesome to me, too. But I think there are places within the country where you can get out on your own, like, way away from things. And you can almost do the same thing here. Without, I'm sure there is. Without yeah. having to change your accent to I'm Canadian. Sure <laughs> oh, eh? Oh, oh what eh? are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, I mean, it's like, it's like I don't know. I, I see what you mean. I mean, there... But what I was going to say about social media is is really like, let's say I couldn't find the number, but let's say it's like 70% of people are on social media. Okay, most of the crazy posts and the crazy replies to the posts, even, even for me still being on there a little bit, I noticed that it's not even most people. Right, right. It's like one post with like 50 comments. I mean, that, and you have like 700 friends. Like, so that's not most people that's a small percentage so i just think it make it makes it seem worse i think the media makes it seem worse because they're trying to pay the bills and they shouldn't but they do i think the media the the people lap it up like warm milk to a kitten and i think that makes it seem worse i don't know i i think i think and and you and you've said this before i'm just re i'm just regurgitating what you've said like when you just go around around a little town like this a little town like mine it's like and talk to just regular people. Yeah, I mean, you get some people that are pretty, you know, on one side or the other. But most people are just like, hey, you know, talking about random, the sports or the weather or, you know, anything. Right. Hey, did you see that drunk guy get arrested down there? You know, it's like, it's not polarizing. You know, it's not really polarizing. I don't see polarizing things day by day until I decide to get on my phone and look at some news app that right there man is what'll get you i know it's people need to get away from that just when you're out in the world it's not that bad yeah. and i don't know maybe i kind of sound like a hypocrite because i don't know man it's hard it's like a juxtaposition of that between that and like what what we're being presented and like with my thinking of like moving up to canada was like when you're presented with all the the chaos and stuff that's going on when you see all the 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 riots and everything that are going on part of me is just like man maybe america man we do have some demons in our past yeah some evil dark like human slavery yeah jesus christ that's a dark dark demon sure and sometimes i wonder and i've wondered this in my own life can you mess up so big that you can't get over it? You're saying like kind of almost like a karma thing or not even a karma thing, but like, like the wound, it's like a scar that will never heal. Right. Yeah. I don't know. How could that ever heal? Yeah. How could it? Well, I don't know one that thing that, could. one thing that would help, you know, obviously I know it up any, you know, anytime you go through like any kind of therapy where you're trying to like fix something in your brain, like, one thing you have to do that I don't know that we've ever really done is face it like it should be faced because you got people in this country that won't face it. Uh, I've heard this before from people. I've heard like, well, there's some slave owners that they treated their slaves so well. They, you know, it was like it was like a, a 
great place for them to live. They made sure they were fed well and made sure they had good places to stay. But but then I want to say, but they they weren't free. It's like I don't care. I mean, it's like it's like saying Jimmy went to the best prison in the country and for twelve years. Right. It's like would he come out and be like positive about it? Like, oh, right. I loved it. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, if I he was really- a rash, if he were a rational person, yeah. it's like, I mean, you're still, I mean, there's Futurama has a great joke about it. Uh, Fry's like, you know, the worst part about slavery, they make your work re- really hard and you can never go home. And Leela's like, Fry, that's the only thing about slavery. <laughs> <laughs> that is slavery summed up completely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but, uh, I don't care how well they treated you. You you were owned. Right. It, it's very hard for, for me to hear an American say that. You're supposed to be, I mean, you, you wear, you know, flag-covered underwear. I mean, you, you love freedom so much, you have to have your nuts in it. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, how could you ever say that they weren't treated that badly? Freedom, the, the thing that, that, that you tear up when you hear the, uh, National Anthem, when you're watching the fireworks show, freedom, freedom isn't free. I love freedom. I love my country. I love freedom. And I love that people love that. And I love that too. But, but for you to be an American that, that feels so strongly where you get that lump in your throat and, you know, the next time somebody brings up slavery and you start that point again, well, some slave owners didn't treat their slaves badly. It's like, what about your freedom thing? I don't know. And it's not only just the racial thing that seems like, and and again, maybe I'm just falling victim to this narrative that the mainstream media and everything is trying to present of America, but it just seems so divided over everything. Oh. Red, blue, you know, Republican, sure. Democrat. It's, sure. There's so many things that people just... And I haven't been on. I haven't had any type of uh, social media whatsoever for three, three and a half years, or yeah. so. I don't know, a long time. But all the, I all I remember was everyone just arguing about everything. Well, it's God, just, it's exhausting. Some of it is social justice warrior ish. It's uh, I can fix this by having this, you know, twelve page debate with this guy. That will never see, which any, is so stupid. You're both sa- stupid. Never see anything my way. And, no. And right now, while I'm doing this, my kids like, hey, we should go outside and shoot some hoops. It's like, well, hang on a second, I'm putting this guy. Yeah. In this there's place. nothing more sad than two dipshits on Facebook going at each other over whatever. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And you and I have both been the dipshits. Oh, I have been. I man, dude, I remember years ago, just like I would post something, and I would be going back and forth with someone. And I would just be like trying to do something at work that I needed to do. <laughs> just thinking like, what? Else? oh, I was just boiling over it. I was just yeah. stewing like, you know yeah. what? And then I would stop what I was doing and walk back to get out my phone and be like, I'm going to show that son of a bitch. Yeah. Like, no, it's all so stupid. Yeah, you're not gonna, and, and the problem is, what, one of the main problems is with both sides, both people are saying things they don't really know for sure. No, you're not political analyst. You... Uh, <laughs> 
And oh, it, it's and, exhausting. Yeah. It's just exhausting. And, and what you end up doing is you end up repeating something that you heard a political analyst say that they didn't even know for sure if it was true. It's no. Like, and it all comes down to this. I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again. I, I don't care. I hate with a passion social media. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Before social media... You could just work with someone. You could just know someone. You could be neighbors with someone. You could be associated with someone without knowing their complete entire political allegiance or whatever bullshit they were into. Sure. You, I, I worked with guys for 10 years, and I couldn't even tell you if they were Republican or Democrat because sure. it didn't matter. Yeah. We just went to work, and we talked about, hey, man, did you see King of Queens last night? That was hilarious. Yeah. It, it didn't matter, but now because of this stupid-ass thing, this medium— and it's not even the medium that's that's bad itself. I guess it's the way people use it. Well, that and the, you know the the media tied in with social media. Those two things. Yes. I. Why does everybody feel the need to be like? Oh, I just love how Donald Trump says this, but then this and that. Why does? Why yeah. is everybody Tucker Carlson all of a sudden? Why is every goddamn person a political pundit on shit? Yeah. It's so exhausting. Well, I mean, it's ridiculous. They just. I don't know. I just feel like. I just feel like in their defense, I feel like that they're almost like pulled into a camp and then they, I think that the people that do that are really smart and they're like, we need like ground warriors. Like we can, we can energize these people to be our little like grassroots ground warrior where where they'll talk about all their family, talk to this about all their family and they're going to, we're going to do this thing and they're going to talk about it and then they're going to then their friends are going to talk about it. And it's like logarithmic. And you're basically by that point, you're working for free. That's one thing that I've said for a long time that I will not identify as a Democrat or Republican. I'll be an independent because at this point, there's no strong voice from the middle. No, uh, because the main reason is if let's say that I go around and I talk about how great I like some candidate, uh, it's not long before something happens to where they do something stupid or allegedly they do something stupid. And then somebody, you get that snide person that comes back to you. Hey, I noticed your, your buddy, one of your buddies did this. It's like, then you have to be a Paul, you like an apologist, the apologist. And you yes. have to defend them. I mean, yeah. then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, you know, and I've defended people for that. But then it's like, now I'm looking at it, It's like, Why? Why would I defend them? Right. For one thing, that person that you would defend them to is probably, you know, night and day different than 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 you on that policy or that that whatever they're talking about. So it's like it's you're not getting anywhere. No. So it's not even worth doing it. And I'll look, I'll come out right now and say this. I don't care if this upsets anybody. I am done. Voting for the lesser of two evils. I'm done with that shit. <laughs> I'm not voting in this upcoming election. Yeah. I'm not voting between an orange-haired megalomaniac and some old geriatric grandpa that can't remember where he lives. I'm not voting. <laughs> I'm not doing yeah. it anymore. Yeah. I refuse to just to vote for the lesser of two. I'm sick of that. Well, it's just, I'll probably vote just because there's there's other, like, you know, some of the stuff that actually your voice can... And it and it's really goes back to our, what we what we're talking about. Um, really, the local stuff on that ballot means more than than the president. Oh yeah, anyway. I'll vote for that because your state, yeah. your state, your it's like your campfire. I talk about it all the time. You can only worry about your campfire. You start 
going to other people's campfire, you look back at yours, it's smoking, right? And where there's smoke is, there's no fire. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it, for those of you that built, it, it's supposed to be where there's smoke, there's fire. It's like, normally in my campfires, that it means there's it's, no... It's went out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know where they got that smoke, it's fire thing. But anyway, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like a lot of that stuff, uh, a lot of that stuff matters a lot more to you than than the presidency, presidential uh, items anyway. Yeah. Uh, and plus, your state already pretty much has it. It's mine. I mean, some of them flip flop back and forth, but most states, especially ours, it's already made its mind up for where its electorates are going. Uh, but uh, uh, to kind of get it off, get get us away from this politics thing, I'll tell you a funny story that happened in in my hometown that actually made national news. Um, really, there, there was a there, and it's been a while, but there was a runoff yeah. one time. A city council in our, our tiny town, there was a city council special election runoff. I um, mean, that was like a couple, maybe like an, an alderman, and then something else, something that no one cared about, obviously, because uh, the voter turnout was so small that one of the aldermen uh, that was running unopposed did not get a single vote. So that means that means the guy, and I actually know the guy, he's a super nice guy, I like the guy, but that means the guy did not even go vote for himself. Now, I don't know, I think maybe he might have uh, been out of town or something from if memory serves, so he couldn't have anyway because he's like a businessman or whatever. But uh, he received zero votes, so I don't even know whatever happened with that. I, I think he still got, since he's unopposed, I think he still made it. But um, it seems like they had to file something with the state that to make him where he could still be an alderman or whatever. That's so, amazing. Zero votes. Didn't even vote for himself. <laughs> and he had his, his wife, too. His wife didn't vote for him. But, uh, yeah, didn't he have? Yeah, no one? Your neighbor? Your barber? Your yeah. son? Nobody? But Nobody it's just one of those weird special elections, and I don't really know. I, I don't know. It's weird. It's so weird. But where, 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 where I really lost it was in the election. Was it the last election? Gary Johnson. Oh, yeah. I like Gary Johnson. I fell in love with him. I donated money to his campaign. I put his signs in my yard. I was all in on Gary Johnson. And what's funny is uh, the Aleppo thing. I guess everybody shit their pants over that. But until then. I think there's more. I think there's like worse, a lot worse stuff than that, that that other people do that's totally fine right 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 donald trump imagine his entire whatever what he's done but everybody shit on gary johnson because to me, of trump one, you don't even have to know anything about him you just have to read what he writes on twitter that's what i try to say to people all the time and I, i've looked i've heard people say i want to like him but then he types something on twitter or yeah. he opens his mouth but what i was saying was I got. I am sick and tired of hearing people, and I've heard so many people say about a third-party candidate, well, yeah, they're obviously amazing. They'd be great, but nobody's going to vote for them because they're not red or blue. Yeah. That's when I was like, screw this whole system. Yeah. I'm never voting in a presidential election again because yeah. this is ridiculous. I heard so many people say, oh, yeah, I'd vote for him, but I'd be throwing my vote away. No. If that's who you believe in, how's it throwing your vote away? Yeah, it makes it, me so mad. It would just take like you know, what needs to happen is a third party needs to like come in like a really close third. Ross Perot, 
Yeah. Think back to the Ross Perot sure. was the closest third party candidate. He really shook shit up. And he uh and he like dropped out of the race at one point and then That like, little oily Texas son of a bitch may have won if he hadn't have dropped do out. Remember, do you remember the Dana Carvey special? Yes, uh, I do. SNL where he played Bush yes. and and uh the 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 running joke and it was hilarious and they beat it like a dead horse but I still loved it. Where he backed out and came back in like three or four times in that in that yes. special he's like yes oh ladies and gentlemen i'm back i'm back in you know, like, <laughs> I love look at that giant daddy long legs above your head oh hey buddy what's up he's those cool. things are awesome yeah i love him he's cool he yeah. can walk on my shoulder for once yeah i remember in real time early 90s ross perot bought all these tv spots remember yeah he would be like between 2020 and whatever show Ross Perot would be on there for 30 minutes with his little pointer with all these diagrams <laughs> and all these pie charts being like, now here's the deal. We're going to pay off the national debt. And here's what we're going to do. Yeah. I remember that so well. Watch, and my dad would be like, Ross Perot is going to save this country. Yeah. And then he backed out. Yeah. And then he got back in. Yeah. He would, I think he would have won had he not done that. But I mean, he, I mean, yeah, there's no, there's no telling. Yeah. There's no telling. I mean, I, I think. I think it's like major reform, but I wouldn't it not be as polarizing if like five people running for president, like the group of five. And then, uh, you know, you got a group of another five over here and a group, of another five over here. And then they're actually able to go around to different parts of the country and talk to everyone. And then yeah, like, I, and that way to me, it's just like, I know they're supposed to have presidential cabinets and stuff like that. And there's, you know, um, and they're supposed to, you know, get the best people around them and stuff like that. But, to me, it's just, it seems like a crazy thing. I mean, I'm not a constitutional framer. You know, I know those guys, their forefathers are really smart guys. But it just seems like to me, with more than one person, then you don't have like somebody shooting from the hip and just going by gut. It seems like it has to be more of a, um, I don't know, just just like a committee, you know, like yes, instead of. And then maybe it wouldn't be so polarizing, you know. I'll borrow this from Joe Rogan because he said it. Uh, it shouldn't be just one dude. Yeah. I think, now this is not what he said. Joe Rogan said it should be like a, some tribal elders or something. Yeah. I think it should be like this. Uh, if if someone, if we want to try to decide whether or not someone committed whatever particular set of crimes, we'll have a jury of our peers. Oh, yeah. A 12-person jury. Yeah. I think that instead of a president, there should be a 12-person council, almost like a jury Yeah, that convenes. Yeah. And you know whether or not you're like, well, Scott Peterson, it took them 64 hours to con- decide. Yeah. Well, they would convene over these certain things. And I know it's really, it's technically not just up to one guy because there's the, the, the Senate and the House and, you know, it has to go up through a, a, a chain. Yeah, no, command. no. Yeah. But there are certain things. They call him the commander in chief for a reason. There are certain things the president does have, yeah, complete control over. Well, and there those are things, things always change too, because obviously the framers didn't have the nuclear weapon true thing. True, true. And there was a guy on Sam Harris's podcast. No way, it might have been Lawrence Krauss. I don't know, but basically, he's been writing about the Cold War and nuclear arms for years, and he was basically saying that 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 is something that just. You know, uh, and I forgot what president, it might have been Kennedy, it changed then because of the Cuban thing. 
not Kennedy was in office during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, it probably was. Um, him, yeah. and I, I'm if I'm remembering it correctly, but basically it changed. Then it, that power was kind of given. Um, but um, and they in the same guy I talked about how um, and I think I've talked about this before how Carter was a uh, president and then there was a false alarm like a like a false like hey someone launched against us and so they had a few minutes to decide if it was an error or a real thing and they yeah. actually almost woke him up and he almost had to decide in a dead sleep woken up from a dead sleep if he wanted to launch right right like against whatever country i think it might have been russia i think it was russia yeah. yeah so so back to what you're saying one person was about to ch- decide the fate of our world for decades in half asleep. Right, true, like, true. I don't know. That's scary. I mean, I almost think if if I almost think because because we're so I, I feel like I feel like one of the downfalls of America is you know, we love freedom so much to where we got to where we lust it. And to where we got to where, you know, we actually, <laughs> I wanted to say something really bad, but I decided not to. <laughs> Good self-control We're not, there. not hugging. Like, <laughs> at first, at first, freedom, we were kind of hugging it. You know, like, oh, we love our freedom. We love. And then, and, and now I think our society is, loves it so much, we're actually slipping the hand down and doing some inappropriate <laughs> things with freedom. <laughs> like, like. Like to where it's not, we don't love it anymore. We actually kind of have a, a romantic. We're like, like third base with freedom. Yeah. What is third base? Yeah. Is uh, third base all the way? No. no. It's home run, right? Isn't it? Oh, right. Third I base. I think that's always, I, I don't think there's an, I don't, I think that's just all like accepted within like groups of friends. I don't think that that's actually um, a set thing by, by, you know, society or whatever. But what I'm trying to say is like, like, I don't mind guns. I like guns. Guns are okay. Pretty cool. Pang, bang, pow, pow, whatever. Pew, pew. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Um, but I just think that some of our problems with guns and some of our problems with gun violence is the fact that we don't, we don't just like guns. We love guns and we like love, love guns. And so now you can't do anything with guns before people get so scared and angry that you're they're going to get their guns taken away i think (laughs) i think that i think that um i think that it happens with a lot of ideas i think that people think well if we do that that's the we're going to lose our freedom if we start doing that oh that's that's one of our freedoms take that away it's like i don't know to the point to where we're almost afraid we're we're free but we're afraid of 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 giving up any of it i mean i don't know that's just that's my two cents. I yeah, I like that. Yeah. On a totally <laughs> You got third base? To go <laughs> Let's let's go down the bases. So I looked it up. That. Urban dictionary, you ready? Okay. First base. In relationship slash sexual terminology, this is the stage in dating where the couple kisses or makes out. Okay. It is the first stage. Starting with the first kiss and leads to repetition uh, to say goodbye or goodnight to signify the beginning of being in love. This can lead to French kissing or kissing of the tongue. I never dated anyone that was French. <laughs> next. So next. Hold the on double. The double. Oh, is that is that one guy, two girls? The That's, double? 
No. I'm sorry. <laughs> no so we're going to go really. Second base, urban second dictionary. Base. All right. Okay. Oh, you got it. They're not all on the same page. First base, to remind you, is making out with tongue. If done properly, there should be no slobber on the female's face afterwards. That's what it says. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, that's not right. Second base is when a guy fills up a female's breast over clothing or under clothing or even under the bra, which is basically just filling her boob, right? Okay. All right. Um. Oh, I can't even say this. Getting to... Th- just do it in a scientific... Getting like- to third base with the lady is... God, how do I... Putting your hand somewhere else? There you go. Okay. Doing certain things with certain digits on certain hands... <laughs> we were we you you didn't have to go. Is that where? Okay, sorry. No, it's okay. But I, I think we are we got we have the smart uh, right. Sorry, audience. sorry, sorry to insult your intelligence, audience. Fourth base or hitting home. Yes, fourth base is when a guy. <laughs> well, you know, the, yeah, d- does the only that the can only make other. a baby. <laughs> okay. Yes, the making the baby. Um, and yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Whoa, this is word of the day, steezy. What is what? So when I got home, my dad used to say, hey, what happened, son? Did you get hit by a pitch? <laughs> what is that? What do you mean by that? You no, no, he didn't. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, are you serious right now? No, 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 no. No, he never said that. Look, word of the day, steezy. <laughs> What's foul out? It means style with ease. So here's a sentence. Take it steezy? Damn, that was a steezy ass kickflip, son. Okay, I what am I reading? Okay, steezy. I'm going to use that tomorrow. Yeah, so first base is kissing, second base is heavy petting or feeling up while making out up the shirt or shirtless for both partners. Oh, here's a here's a here's a here's a sentence. Uh, I went uh I went I went to second base with him on our first month, but it was what? But it was actually third base because I oh, I can't read that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Nope. Okay, second base. In non-perverted terms, the base diagonal from home plate in baseball. He's Oh, that's just a technical. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've covered the bases. I feel like, yeah. First base is kissy-kissy. Yeah. Second base is feely-feely. Third base is... Feely-feely again. Feely-feely more yeah. in-depth. Yeah. <laughs> and then home run, obviously, is how you make a baby. Is this thing is on? Is this thing on? <laughs> How did we get here? What happened? We don't know about getting hit by the pitch. We don't know what other meaning that has, and also fouling out. We don't know. I mean, that's probably, yeah, that's probably uh, the dad turn the light on when you're standing <laughs> on the porch. Ah, hey, hit a pop fly. Did your dad or did anyone ever have the sex talk with you? No, not really. We really? had Cinemax, so I didn't need it. Skinemax? Yeah. My stepdad had the talk with me. Yeah, that's got to be weird. No, this is how it went. Are you ready? Yeah. It's a real short talk. Okay. It goes as such. Here we are. <laughs> All right, Joey. Uh, listen, you're a teenager now, and I know that you're probably going to be trying to have sex with girls. <laughs> and nothing I say is going to stop you from that. But listen, use protection or I'll kill you. <laughs> end of End of discussion. Your stepdad sounds a little bit like Brian from Family Guy. (laughs) But listen, I was 14, 15 at the time. I'll kill you. And definitely not doing that with girls. Yeah. So the only part I got from that was, I'm going to be doing that with girls? Really? Yeah, it's kind of like when When? you- When? Can you tell me when? Yeah. Is that coming soon? When? Is there a date? Yeah. What's the date? When? 
So you didn't, you weren't worried about the killing part. No, there was no reason for the talk when he gave it to me. Yeah. Uh, not until I, not until just a week or two after. No, I never mind. What we don't understand, yeah. sadly, mm-hmm. it's and and I, I'm I'm a dad too, and it's sad, but we don't understand that we are fighting, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of longer than that, really, of just like evolutionary, you know, reproduction baggage. Before yeah. we we're civilized, it's very tough. And, and the way it manifests itself in the year 2020 is the Cardi B WAP video. <laughs> that is just man, Jesus God. Well, it's it's yeah, good lord. It's just uh, yeah. What we're trying to do as a civilized society is we're trying to push that back a few years. Whenever really naturally. Um, before we were more civilized, it was earlier, even back. If you think about how young the wives were in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Oh 60s. yeah. My grandmother was 16 when she got married yeah. and started having babies. Yeah. And I think I, I love what they did in Dewey Cox though. It was really funny because they had their fight and I, I, he was like, he was supposed to be 14 and she was like 13 or something. Do you remember that? Vaguely. I've watched And he was movie. like, I, I want to. I'm finally getting somewhere with my music. I'm going to be famous. It's my dream. You know, it's my, and she's like, what about my dreams? And he's like, I told you we can't build a house out of candy. It'll melt when it rains. (laughs) That's how they played that off. It's like 13 years old. You want a house made out of candy? I love that. So anyway, it's so great. It's a fantastic movie, by the way. You know that is a wrong son died. That is a straight yeah, wrong son died. The wrong son died. Yeah. It is weird how that works. But anyway, yeah, so the disappearance of Joe Pickler. Yeah, oh yeah. That's what we were talking about. He was in varsity blues and then he disappeared. Yeah. Uh Joey's summation of the entire event is um Yeah, because I never asked, I feel like a jerk. No, I already said it, but I'm just re reiterating. Uh I believe that he committed suicide. Yeah. I don't know what he had going on in his life personally at the time. I don't know, right? I'm so far removed from the situation. But just from the vague information that I got yeah. off the internet. Yeah. Uh, Interwebs. And the, the reading of the literature that was found. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it was in his car or in his apartment or whatever. But to me, if if you are if you're delegating to whom your belongings go to, mm, yeah. Come on. You're yeah. you're 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 planning on not being around very much longer. Yeah, where there's smoke, there's no fire. I've that's right. Heard that forever. So so uh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, man. that's that's the disappearance. Now listen, it seemed like a good kid. Sad. And no, it's incredibly sad. Yeah, I wish that he would have stuck around, got those braces off, went back to L.A., got some more movie parts, or not. Just keep working for Telecom or whatever the company was. Just dude. Moved whatever. to L.A. And, now, and then he's he's like, I'm moving to Austin. This L.A. sucks. With everybody else. Yeah. But so next week, man, and I haven't even told you this. Oh. Oh, I'm so excited. Special guest. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm working on a guest. I'm okay. going to get us a guest. Really, really interesting. I think he's going to be a great, a great guest. Uh, I'm not going to tease anymore on that because I'm not, sh- you know, I'm not so sure right at this point how, uh, you know, how sure I am that we're going to get him. But the next two weeks, at least, unless this guest comes through and I'll just <laughs> back these other episodes off. Um, so back in the 50s, man, back in the 40s and 50s, right, when there was UFO fever in the United States. Okay. Everybody remembers 
Barney and Betty Hill. Oh yeah. That you know, so they were in they were a couple that uh that they were really um one of the first well known famous they've became the most famous couple to to have uh you know claim that they were abducted by a UFO. I want to believe I want to say it was sixty or sixty one, nineteen sixty or sixty mm-hmm. one. Well a lot of people don't know that well, well before that, there was an entire group of people throughout the late 40s and 50s that claimed to have been abducted by UFOs. See, that's good because that that predates the whole UFO Hollywood, you know, late night drive-in flying saucer movie. True. And it yeah. was a different vibe. So these this group of guys that we're going to cover, and it's going to take a few weeks, so sure. hopefully you people are into this. Oh, yeah. Even if you're not into UFOs, these are such interesting characters and interesting no, stories. I like it. That sounds cool. They This group of guys became known as the contactees. Oh, okay, cool. So Betty and Barney Hill, before them, they kind of set the precedent for what we understand now as the UFO abduction. And that is this really cold, clinical probing they'll abduct you strap you to a metal gurney do these experiments on you right Mm -hmm. before that before that there was like a decade or more where the abductions or better better the better terminology is visitations okay these were more like it was a hippie idealization it was kind of like they Ah. were our space brothers they were our like space brothers. They were they were usually from Venus, and they were our space brothers, and they were like super chill, and they were only full of love, and they wanted to help us. Um, this whole group of people, which there was there was five or six of these guys that ended up being known as the contactees, they were all claiming to have been visited and abducted, and they would like ride on these ships throughout the solar system. Uh, this one in particular, George Adamski, is who we're going to start out with claimed that all the planets in the solar system were inhabited and he was given personal tours to do. It's so out there, dude. It's so insane. And a few of them and which who I just mentioned actually was the most famous of all these guys. Um, he actually made his living giving, uh, uh, talks and shit about this around the whole planet. But anyway, uh, we're going to talk about all of the contactees within the next few episodes. We're going to start with Jordan, George Adamski, and he was so interesting that he's actually, I, I got so many notes on this guy. We're going to have to split him up and do a couple of episodes. Oh, cool. But anyway, that's what's coming down the pipe. And then we're also working on uh, a particular guest who who lives such a, such a freaking amazing life. Yeah. Uh, off the grid. Just this guy is amazing. We're going to try to get him in the studio soon. And so we got some really cool shit coming down yeah. the pipe. Yeah, as always. As always. So yeah. please, please stick with us. Um, yep. By now, I think we may have weeded out our... Look, if you're a Dawn of Mantis listener, um, you're a certain type of listener. Sure. We only have one negative review so far, and that person, uh, their negative review was 100% accurate. I can't even be angry at them about it, but their their negative review... They described the podcast. Yeah, they were just like, oh, it took these guys... It wasn't guys. for them. They didn't talk about the subject a lot. Okay, well, that's true. <laughs> we kind of don't. We kind of talk about the subject a lot, and then we go off rails a lot. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. So that's fine. I can't even be mad at that person. But anyway, so there's a you know there's a specific type of listener that is going to yeah. like us. So anyway, if if you are that listener and if you're listening now, thank you so much. I feel um, I feel like I feel like we wouldn't be good with the people that just love the audio books because you listen to audio book and it talks about the 
subject, especially like uh, some kind of nonfiction thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a great one that I highly recommend called, um, um, it's like rabies. It's about rabies. I forgot the author. Oh, you told me about this, man. It's so good. It's such a good audio book. I listened to the rest of it not too long ago. Um, but, uh, yeah. So it's just the history of rabies. It's very interesting, but anyway, uh, but yeah, I think that, that, Either you like a podcast where it's just kind of random and they talk about random things or you don't. So if you don't, that's cool. We like that you found something that you do like and you can recognize what you do and you do not. Well, you got to do All you got to do is find your audience. And I'm not my I'm not about hurt by people that we're just not for. And there's a lot of podcasts that are just not for me. There's 600,000 podcasts out there. Only listen to four. So that's a very, very many that I I don't listen listen to like three. Right. So if you're listening to us. Uh, we just got to find our audience, and you know what? We are because our numbers are growing. Every time I look, our numbers are growing, and that's super yeah. cool, man. We think, yeah. uh, by the way, anyone who's listening and uh, who's sticking with us and stuff, we really appreciate it. We yeah, thank we, you. Yeah. Uh, love you. We, we love you. The, the numbers, every time we look, they're growing. It's awesome. It's great. It's cool. Um, we'd do it either way because this is just a fun thing for us, but the fact that some people do listen is even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's even better. Yeah, so it makes uh, us feel like we got a little bit of wind in ourselves. Sure, yeah, for sure. So anyway, yeah, so that's the end of the episode. I don't even know what ninety one or two or three or four <laughs> or five, like that. something like that. Something like. Thank that. you guys for listening. Um, we're gonna be doing the contactees over the next few episodes. Like I said, uh, we're gonna get uh, a buddy of mine in here also who lives a, a very cool life. We're gonna talk to him about his life. Heck yeah, and uh, that's coming down the pipe. Thank you for listening. Ivan, do you have anything to add? No, I don't. I mean, it's a good episode. Um, I hope something, you know, shakes, you know, something, uh, some kind of clue loose on that last one. Uh, we'd like for his family for that to, to give them some closure. Yes. Yeah, speaking of that, I do want to say, if you have any information on the whereabouts of Joe Pickler, because who knows who's listening to this? Sure. Please contact the Bremerton Police Department at 360 360- Four seven three five two two eight. Yep, there it is. There you so go. Contact them uh, and let them know. Even even if you think it's like, well, this is probably stupid. I bet a lot of cases have been solved from somebody calling. Oh, this is stupid. And the wife or the husband's like, no, go ahead and call. It might be relevant. Yeah, I saw this. Like, whoa, yeah, we've been yeah. looking for. I mean, there's stuff that about with every case. There's stuff that. They don't let the public know because they need that to help build their case. Exactly. You know, when they get a suspect and they start talking about something, it's like, oh, there's no way you could have known about that. So we're interested in what you're saying, you know. So you never know. You never know when you can help solve a mystery. And this case is cold, to say the least. Yeah. This has been 15 years ago. Sure. So no matter how minuscule you'll think, man, yeah. call it in. Yeah, sure. With yep. any of the stuff we talk about or any of the stuff you hear here in the true crime uh, land out there in the podcast, call it in. If in doubt, call it in. Right. Because it's easy, you know, especially for those of us that are really immersed in the true crime culture and you listen to podcasts about it, you read books about it and whatever. It's easy to just kind of. Tune it out. Tune it out. And to think like, oh, okay, this you just see a name, you see a picture, and you read a case, and you're like, okay, well, that person's missing. Yeah. But every one of those people, man, for 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 certain people, and, and in the case of Joe Pickler, his family and friends, uh, man, he, you know, like that's a real human being. Sure. That just yeah. vanished. Yeah. He was a real living, breathing human being that had friends and and hobbies. And stuff he liked to do, and and then he just disappeared one day. Yeah, 
uh, it's almost unfathomable. Yeah, um, it is. It's it's very yeah. It's very hard to. It's it's like when it's it's almost like if you relate it to science when someone when you say well you know light speed is one hundred eighty six thousand miles per second. It's like okay, you gave me a number. That's cool. That's cool that you know that. Um, but I feel like I have no better concept on, you know, I turn the light on and how long that takes to like, I know that's fast is all I know. I don't, I can't, or you say the earth, the sun's 93 million miles away. Like you, it doesn't help. You know, Oh, I understand how far the sun is now. Like there's no way. Right. Like, uh, maybe if you had to drive it, it, you know, maybe you'd understand some more, but I don't know. (laughs) It's like, you have no, like you have no better understanding. And it's kind of like the thing with that disappearing disappearance. Like, and you can't rationalize that in your head that that's a real person, really, you know? Yeah. And this is coming, look, I'm saying that, and this is coming from a guy who, uh, you know, my own cousin disappeared. Yeah. Uh, but he was just, he happened to be a cousin, uh, maybe a second cousin or third cousin, that, that I wasn't super close with. And I, other than a few family get togethers, I only remember ever laying eyes on the guy once or twice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what got me into this whole thing. And I've said it a bunch of times, but. That's what got me into this whole true crime disappearance thing was he was just gone. Yeah. You know, and still to this day, I mean, it's been 25 years ago or something like that. And he's still just gone. So anyway, that's what, you know, let's remember that, that, uh, this is not just some story for a podcast or something. This, this, this guy's actually gone Mm, and, and his family doesn't know where. And so that's rough. And maybe I'm right. And he did commit suicide. Um, but maybe I'm not right. Yeah. Right. So anyway, yeah, that just goes back to, you know, if you have any information, call that number we mentioned earlier. All I know is I may be right. Right. Na, 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 na. There Did you, you guys go. used to do that one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Billy Joel? Yeah. Yeah, you may yeah. be right. Yeah, yeah, we still, yeah, we do yeah. that one. Yeah. Yep. All right. There you go. See you guys next, or talk to you guys next time. Donna Mantis Podcast. Joe, t- say your thing. Oh, yeah. Remember uh, to treat other people kindly and be a good, genuine person. Quality person. Quality person. You messed up your own tagline. I know. I'm five beers in. (laughs) Thanks, guys. See you guys.